<laughs> I guess some people are into that kind of thing, though. Heavy, heavy breathing into the mic? Yeah. Uh, part of that. Uh, oh my gosh, what is it called? Where they make the. ASMR. There you go. I don't know what that is. It's, a, it's like a. It's like a thing with sound. It's like they have these really, really high sensitivity mics and they just make like weird noises, like scratches, like. It's, I don't know. Like little things that you can hear that's supposed to stimulate people. But. So weird. some yeah, some people it's like weird like that, but then other people it's like like calming, so it helps with anxiety for some people. I remember the other microphone you had where you like you're in the other room and you you could hear the other person peeing. Technically, these are the same mics. Oh really? I just finally fixed everything. Ah uh, okay. Uh, less sensitive, just so you can hear those voices crazy. really well. So these are yeah, I didn't know these are sound. Yeah. It's just the wonders of sound editing <laughs> and equalizing. Yeah. That's so why I get paid the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so, uh, what's our podcast called? Oh yeah, we we're the MVG podcast. We also talk about ASMR for some reason. <laughs> uh, my name is David. This is Will. Who's Will? Uh, who knows? Okay, it's not important. It's really not. <laughs> so, uh. Let's hear your. I'm. I'm really curious. Have you ever ridden on a train before? Several times. What's What's been your experience on a train? I definitely feel like I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, I've never experienced ghosts on this train. <laughs> um. Also, I've never. Um, how do we say? I've never had to perform certain certain actions okay um that would harm this train okay um you ruined one of my follow-up questions that's why i said i, I was going to ask you if you've ever performed a suplex on a train that's why i said i thought i have a feeling <laughs> i know where this is going like the meme for that is like it, it's very a meme for it's it? obviously very niche because to check it out not many people understand know the reference but but anything memorable on a train at all um, I took one from Washington down into California, and it's pretty scenic, I guess. It was, I it was did nice. the same. That's pretty nice. We, we took it down to, to Disneyland, and then, like, for me, on I the way... It, I think I went all the way... Yeah, might have been Anaheim, thing? yeah. 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 <laughs> for me, on the way back, though, like, I had I had food poisoning the whole time, oh. and so I was vomiting on the train, like, every two seconds. Oh, it was terrible. Um... Well, I don't like talking about throw up, so there's that. <laughs> are you are you one of those people that you talk about it and you get nauseous? Oh no, I just don't like it. It's just nasty. Yeah, okay. Oh, I I don't have a, a weak stomach at all. I don't think there's really much things that turn my stomach at all. Yeah, I I'm not. I haven't really been that way either. Like but when I, when I used to be a manager, I had a bartender that like the freaking somebody barfed on the the bar rail, mm-hmm. and our my bartender was like like ran out of there like. Because she was ready to throw up, too. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is oh, I'm a sympathetic uh, barfer. Or I think that's... Yeah. Like, we're... Sympathetic? Like, yeah. Like, you'll I feel nauseous, some, too? If I see somebody, like, retching, then mm. it makes me... Oh, really? Yeah. And huh. then also, the smell of it makes me... What an interesting tangent. Well, you know, like, so throwing... Barfing or nausea is is, like, our body's... Our body thinks we're, like, poisoned or whatever. Yeah. And the smell so, of of acid or bile 
will cause that. Yeah. And so your body sees someone else and they're like, oh, crap. There's something in the water. Or something like that. Yeah, uh, I think it is something. Which is, is weird. Is right. that, that you can see someone else doing something and your body's like, oh, crap. Right. <laughs> and then you have to go poop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, trains. Trains. And suplexes. <laughs> so, today we're talking about Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> Not vomiting. <laughs> Not at all. Um, but there is the suplexing of trains. Um, I don't think there's any vomiting. Oh, there is vomiting. Yeah? Maybe. No. Kind of. There's poisoning of water, at least. Oh, yeah. There is poisoning of water. And I'm sure people vomited from that. Mm, possibly. Um, one thing I will say is in today's episode, we will be spoiling Final Fantasy VI. And I will also be spoiling it not only for you guys, but spoiling it for myself. Because I am, I believe, around 75% done with the game. <laughs> and I like was trying to marathon the game last night. And then I got stuck. And I had to read a walkthrough. And... I don't think we're going to spoil it that much. We, we were pretty good about avoiding spoilers. Yeah. So, Final Fantasy VI. Yes. It was, uh, you know, it was released in 1994. Did you know I was born in 1994? Were you really? No. No. Wait. I don't really know when you were born, actually. It's okay. Misdirection is good. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, so it was, uh, it was made, or released in 94. Uh, 4 was released in 91, and 5 was released in 92. But they technically... Why did you do that all weird like that? What did I do? Like, you, <laughs> like 6, 4, 5... You could have just been six, five, four. <laughs> I don't know. Ah, uh, seriously. Okay. Yeah. You went all weird with the numbers, and I was like, "What? Do, I don't, okay." Like I didn't know why you even mentioned four, and then you said five. I was like, "Oh, so we're doing all the dates." Okay. So 1991, 1992, and 1994. Okay. Those are release dates. So you're just trying to say games. that they were released back to back. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. sure video games released in '93 as well. Actually, maybe Mystic Quest. I don't know. Is that it? Who Final Fantasy Mystic Quest? Yeah, who knows? Maybe that was 93. Also, who cares? <laughs> well, we will, because we're obviously going to do a podcast on it someday. We've talked about it on every single one of the Final Fantasy podcasts, it's which is so ridiculous. It's because it's it's a, it's a classic. It has good music, It's that too. black sheep. It has good music. All right, so uh, when it was first released in the U.S., it was actually called Final Fantasy 3, released for Super Nintendo. Because us Americans are dumb. And we wouldn't understand that if we hadn't got a game released well, in between. And because Final Fantasy IV was released as two, mm-hmm. because we didn't get Final Fantasy II and three yet. Yeah, we got Final Fantasy IV easy. Yeah. So, like, again, Americans are too dumb. And well, so. I mean, at least in 94. But in, like, in, like, year 2000, when I think the... Uh, the PlayStation versions of these games came out. Mm-hmm. Like we were wise, we wised up. So, luckily, we or they up. just got tired of having to make two different copies of the game, and they just said screw it, and they just said it's Final Fantasy VI, you dummies. Or and maybe the internet like helped out because people could actually look stuff up, and you have or too, actually you have too much confidence. In it probably is, it's probably related to the PlayStation taking over the Final Fantasy games because. PlayStation's I mean, like, why are we doing this? This is this is dumb. Or or they maybe to differentiate themselves from like this isn't your Final Fantasy one, two, and three. This is Final Fantasy seven. This is a whole new deal. Yeah. Generations ahead. 
maybe also it could be like a um uh, well when they released it on PlayStation they released it as an anthology anyways mm-hmm. yeah. so it would be hard to release Final Fantasy 3 and 5 and somehow 3 is newer than 5 and so I think they were just <laughs> going to okay. they were probably just like you know what it's Final Fantasy 5 and 6 yeah it's time <laughs> yeah also I feel like just Sony in general they don't really play the two separate games kind of uh, what do you call it uh like when it comes to translations and mm-hmm. localizations Sony just goes this is the game there this is the game here right. the only thing we're changing is the title possibly and that's due to well, translation they did, they did censor they didn't censor 6 well I'm but... saying just the in general like the uh, most of the time when Sony brings stuff on it's usually like translated titles but never like uh, what do you call it? Retconning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. As far yeah. as titles go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, of course that. they censor things. It, American, when we get localizations, we always get things censored. Yeah. For stupid reasons most of the time, but... You PlayStation know. wasn't as much for a while, and, and now they're starting to do that. I think now they only do it because their uh, community is so much more broad, and because... I have read it has to do a lot with uh, censorship in China, and since so many units are being sold to China these days that they're, you know, doing it, doing it so they can, they can sell the units. And yeah, yeah. 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 They're it makes sense. Censor it it makes even sense. more. They actually, so. well, they do that with movies and stuff like that too. If their big market is, is say for instance, actually, China or, or Europe or something like that. If Europe wants a certain thing, they will, they will adhere to that. Now that well, I think about it, we're definitely going to talk about that for Final Fantasy 15. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's a yeah. Anyway, we'll get into that later. Well, I mean, I mean, just uh, I mean, the localization of this game, the fact that it took so long for us to get like a the we actually for us to actually get quote unquote six and mm-hmm. not three, which I think it has just minor differences really. And after it was re-released like six times, <laughs> well, six hasn't been really re-released very many times. Pretty much just the three times I can think of. Uh, well, you have PlayStation, Game Boy Advance, Android, Steam. Wait, PlayStation. Wait, say it again. PlayStation, Game Android, Boy Advance. Game Boy Advance. Oh, okay. I forgot. Game oh, Boy Advance. and there's PSP version of the game, too. But PS- I guess you could there's consider... There's no PSP version. Yes, there is. Mm-mm, I would have bought it. I'm pretty sure there is, but... There's we'll Final look... Fantasy IV, for sure. Oh, we'll look it up on the break. Um, okay. Um, yeah, so it has it has quite a few releases. Six, I think, is one of those games where... Not as many as four. Mm, probably not um well now with four also having a complete remake um but six is one of those games that's been stuck in that limbo for the longest time where it's such a broad game and i think i actually really think that because it's such an intricate game that has has a lot of like the a bigger cast of characters than many of the other games that that's why it's been like put on the uh remaster list instead of the remake list i Mm. think it's the same thing with Final Fantasy VIII, the reason why it only got a remaster is because that game, that game's too big. And well, I mean, to be honest, seven was too big and you see it's taken yeah. them, I don't know, six or seven years just to come up with part one. So, Well, I mean, Nomura and, um, I'll talk about this other guy in a second, but some of their other like developers or whatever uh, are saying like, hey, we need to do the other ones too. So, right. it's, I mean, it's, well, I mean, it depends on how much Final Fantasy VII Remake sells, but let's be I real, it's going to go crazy. It, yeah, I guarantee that game will have the easiest time setting yeah. records. Do you, 
yeah, it'll. I think it'll easily eclipse what it originally sold on the PlayStation. Yeah. So. New audience, new graphics, oh, new yeah. battle system. Yeah. I and mean, considering looks... how well Final Fantasy 15 sold, seven will, is capitalizing on that new the the new fad of taking Final Fantasies into the action realm. And I'd be curious to see what the difference between Resident Evil, like the original, and the Resident Evil Two remake, like what the sales were. I'm pretty sure it stomped them. But yeah, fun stuff though. So, uh, so this is actually the first one where uh, Sakaguchi, like, I mean, he was still a producer role, uh, mentor role, but he kind of handed the the reins to uh, Yoshinora Katasi and uh, Hiro Hiro Yuki Ito. Okay. Mm, I knew I was going to screw up one of those. And uh, Katasi, actually, he was the director for 7, 8, and 10, and then Ito was for 9 and 12. Okay. Okay. And uh, so Katasi was in charge of production and the scenario while Ito handled all battle aspects. Mm-hmm. And the theme of this uh, game was that every character was the main protagonist. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think the reason why I tout 6 as being one of the greatest RPGs that I played, even if I hadn't finished it back in the day, is that it did work really, really, really hard to make sure each individual character was unique, whether all the way down mm-hmm. from oh, from yeah. the top of their, their story to the bottom of like their, uh, their skills, their play mechanics, their statistics, things like that. Like, everything was thought about to make it as unique as possible for per character which you made like some ludicrous song pop in my head and i can't even think what it is yeah something right about down to their toes i don't know anyway okay oh wow down to the down to the no no no, it's a different song but (laughs) um anyways um or maybe it wasn't ludicrous anyway it doesn't matter uh but yeah the game accomplished a lot in in doing that and i think that's why and and it did it in a really really balanced way mm-hmm. and not just mechanics wise but story wise you actually felt like every time a new character was introduced it didn't feel eh, okay not every time there's some characters that seem kind of like stuck in there um like, but they have their place like well like I the mean, moogles they were you, kind of stuffed into that one yeah like, okay fair enough uh sequence and then um but they, it still Strago fit and, really well because you know it just seemed like a native tribe and yeah well and, struggle uh, and Rome kind of felt forced to me um they they put, so so if you so there's a few things you can miss in the game and if you didn't miss those and, you, and everything ties together let's put it that way i mean it if anything i guess straight strago strago who knows who knows i guess he's the one that's kind of i mean other than being realm's grandfather yeah, in a village of people who only use magic, or they're not supposed to use magic. Because yeah, without espers and everything. Yeah. Um, which is, again, just seems like kind of one of those things just kind of out of nowhere. Um, and it doesn't, in my opinion, and maybe because I haven't beat it yet, um, it doesn't really like lend much credence to the story as a whole. It just kind of feels like, oh, well, we needed a village as an in-between point and we needed to insert a mini dungeon here and so we did you're right um but it it just basically those characters i guess so more so those those characters are more to flesh out one of the previous characters right that's another thing i noticed a lot of um 
uh, each there's characters to pull other characters to the front mm. um and whether it start from the beginning where Terra comes in and they all kind of do that really yeah when you get Locke Locke pulls out Terra's personality and then when you get Edgar Edgar pulls out um actually more so Saban yeah pulls out Edgar Saban pulls out Edgar and then there's history yeah and then Edgar Edgar helps to pull out Cell's personality a little bit but then also that was a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew. Like, I mean, you could, there's so many different ways you could say her name. So here, I'll just, I'll just start with this real quick. The reason why I said that is because I, I kind of feel like in the, well, most, Jap- there's a lot of Japanese names that where when we get it translated, they leave off the U at the end because there is no just S syllable in Japanese. So it's always like, there's the word des. Celesu. Yeah. So they, you wouldn't say that. Oh, you would just say an S. So it'd be a Celeste. I man, I don't or, I have no clue. And I always, I think I always said cells because I didn't even really look at the name. I just like okay, C E. There's an S there. Okay, cells. Um, <laughs> <laughs> call it a day. I always call her Celeste. Um, it's probably that. But well, like, like, who knows, man? Seriously, her we're relationship. Gonna get, we're gonna get one with voice acting, and then all of a sudden, it's it's Kellis or something, right? Something we never even thought of. Um, so, uh, so that so. Kellis, Celeste, whatever her name is, mm-hmm. and Gao were actually designed by Katasi. Uh, Terra and Locke were designed by Sakaguchi. And then, if you remember from, la- I think it was last week, okay. uh, Shadow and Setzer were designed by uh, Tetsu Nomura. Oh, and... Of course. They're like the the edge characters, if you will. Yeah, and then actually Edgar and uh, Sabin, or Sabin mm-hmm. was uh, by Tanaka... And man, I wish I could remember what Tanaka's done. Kaori Tanaka. I, I feel like you should up. have put that in your notes, buddy. Oh yeah, I should have. Lame. <laughs> Whatever. Um, man, I really want to know who that what they did. Either way, uh, the cast of characters is one of the things that brings a lot of the boys <gasps> to the yard. Dude. So her pen name is Soria Saga. Do you know who that is? Should I? Yeah, it's uh, it's the wife of the main director of Xenogears and Xenosaga. Yeah, and she mm-hmm. had she had a huge influence on Xenogears and and Xenosaga. Well, Xenosaga before. No, she didn't have a huge influence. She co-wrote it, didn't she? She co-wrote it. And, yeah. And a lot of the emotional beats was her. wow. That's that's crazy. Because yeah. her her and her husband were both obsessed with psychology. We will do an episode on Xenogears. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you about some of the things that will probably blow your mind that you've probably never heard before. Well, this just blew my mind. Like I'm, I'm like, wow, it's so awesome. Because also, Square keeps a lot of stuff in house. Well, Saban and, and Edgar were my favorite characters. Well, no, I, really I didn't liked, really like them, but I really like Locke too. And okay, anyway. <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff about about Xenogears when we finally actually do a podcast on that one because that one would be the one that I actually I'm probably going to produce that one I think because I there's a lot of stuff I want to I'm so satisfied by this podcast right now after learning that yeah it's good um also this is um this is what I would say is one of the last games that was done or the last Final Fantasies that was done with uh with what I would consider to be like the uh, the legacy core team for mm-hmm. for Square, 
before they started getting bigger yeah and before they started bringing in new people and um like the dream team broke up to make individual projects right a lot of people left and then well realistically is chrono trigger was the last one but well in the final fantasy series um because seven not necessarily has a lot of new people but it did bring it brought up what we would consider or what what's considered back in the day the amateurs which would be nomura and bringing him up and saying here's like literally a whole project yeah um and so like you can tell like it's six is almost like a uh like a a farewell to an era if you look at it afterwards and i think at the time it was just like it was like a a welcome to everybody you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but like after if you really like look at it from six to seven it definitely seems like um it's almost like square enix saying we're literally putting everybody and everything we have into this game this will be the best you know and then going forward they're still doing it but it's definitely done with like a um, kind of like a Marvel aspect. Like yeah. if you think about phase one, two and three for like yeah, the yeah, Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe, they like there was a lot of people that they kept. They knew exactly who what they were doing. Yeah. Well, they split into do two different teams. Actually, I guess there's three different teams now. And the, but then they also started doing experimenting with new directors and yeah. they, but, they found like, a, but like who's, a rhythm. Who's there? You know, like so Katasi, you know, like obviously he's amazing. Uh Ido, you you like him more than I do, because mm-hmm. uh, he's the one that did Final Fantasy Tactics, right? I believe so. Tactics in twelve, and yeah, twelve and nine, and um, and then there's Nomura, who you know, like he's obviously made a name for himself. But who after Nomura has really like really made a name for themselves for Square Enix? It well, because it's been less about like the directorial projects. It's been more about like the projects as a whole. Um, I remember. Yeah. If you look at it back in the day, it was. But you need like I feel like you need that main talent to really like pull it, pull make that vision. It works well with JRPGs, yes, to have somebody with a an overarching vision, right? And I think that's the reason why there's a lot of Kickstarter campaigns for Spirits of Successors created by older directors because the older directors not only directed, which it's kind of like a compartmentalization problem that we have nowadays with a lot of video games because they're so big is that director only gets a chance to look at the story and gets to look over things. But back in the day, a director not only looked over, wrote story, but also was programming, was also working mm-hmm. on yeah, yeah. Um, the scenario writing, not only like the main story arc writing, um, they were also working on systems uh, and artwork and things like that. It was, it was all hands on deck kind of situation. But nowadays it's, if you look at it, a lot of these projects, even with Tetsuo Nomura, um, he directs everything and maybe he'll do some artwork and mm-hmm. maybe he'll be put in a position where he can uh, give a yes or a no to certain decisions. <laughs> they but lock him the, in a room and that's right. all he does all day. It, no, I don't like that. No, I don't like that. <laughs> yes, that looks closest to my drawing, that kind of stuff. But like, I need more thrones and them like holding their yes. their chin. It's a classic Tetsuo Nomura uh, <laughs> Um, posing. You know, I wonder that's what, that's what's going to happen sorry. with. Uh, I wonder if that's what's going to happen with Feige. Now that um, he's like, he's basically just taking on a giant producer role. Well, that to be honest, there, I mean, there's a difference between the media's because as a yeah yeah as a creative director, he actually it's a all he's doing is laying down the framework and actually putting together like the flow chart for everybody else to follow to make sure. And I think with video games, it works a little bit different. Like I said, back in the heyday, you had people directors were not only just 
people overseeing. They were programming. They were right. they were on the ground floor. They were doing all the things with everybody else. And I think nowadays it's almost impossible to do that unless you want a game to take 15 years they to make. Getting, they were getting their own coffee and donuts, and now they have people to bring them yeah. coffee and donuts. Yeah. I mean... Which is probably legit, actually. Considering <laughs> how much manpower it takes to make a game nowadays, yeah. like, it's a... It is definitely one of those things where they couldn't do it even if they wanted to, and I and I think that that's a reason why so many projects that have been headed by Tetsuo Nomura have taken so long because he ha- he I feel like he you can see that he has his tendrils like deep into his projects. He mm-hmm. doesn't let them just go and let somebody else handle it while he quote unquote directs it. Like uh, all the Kingdom Hearts games, they take forever to make. Mm-hmm. They don't usually come out back to back, and most. Most of the main well, for a while, ones, like, I think I told you this, we were talking about this before. Like er, for a while, every year they had some Kingdom Hearts game come out. Right, but those weren't like I said. Oh, I was just about to the, a caveat to that was like the mainline ones took forever. Well, there's so let's see. There's or one, sorry, the two, numbered ones three. took forever. Yeah, granted. Well, two didn't take too long, but there's one, two, and three are mainline. Dream Drop Distance, so that's five. Uh, three fifty eight over two. That's I mean that was mainline to me. Realistically, yeah, I guess Chain of Memories wasn't. Also, if you notice, one of one of the throughputs for all of those is the majority of them Perfectly. use the same. There's like six, sorry. All of them, most of them use the same assets. Mm-hmm. So, the big difference between the Kingdom Hearts projects and the Final Fantasy projects is that each Final Fantasy project used completely new stuff. So, it was him being more and more creative. Whereas, Kingdom Hearts was I've already established a vision. And I don't know how many studios worked on all those different games, but every time he's worked on a project for like the Final Fantasy games, it's always been uh, one of those at a time. Whereas the other ones, you got you can have six teams going because one of them's a 3DS game, one of them's a, one of them's a PSP game, one of them's a PlayStation game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's understandable. Yeah, I'm not. He's not going to be sitting in on all those projects, but he's definitely. He's probably got a Bible sitting somewhere. Yeah, he has his hands in it. Yeah, yeah. but he's got, but he's, they've got a vision to work from. Um, that being said, Final Fantasy VI seems like it was one of those games where the fact that individual main characters were given to different people mm-hmm. means that it was like, like, like I said, it was all hands on deck. It was let's show everything that this console can do. Let's I, show I everything uh, that all we can on. do. I don't know if it's all hands on deck as much as it's it's saying like, hey, we're we're a team, we're all equal. Let's let's uh, let's all put our signature into this. True. Um, I actually see some similar things in uh, music production. There'll be times where they'll bring in people, um, and then like it's almost like I brought you in because you're good, and I want to I want you to get a credit on this project that I know that's going to be really big, mm-hmm. so that way your name gets put out there as a you know, as a, as a creative, otherwise, like sometimes maybe an individual artist's music never gets like famous or whatever, but because they got featured on something else, now people are taking a look at them, that kind of thing. Um, and I think that's a lot of what happened with hip hop, hip hop. Right. Oh my gosh. But I think that's a lot what happened with like the final fantasy games. Cause if you remember in our earlier podcast, we were talking about, Oh yeah, so and so did the scenario writing for this one, or so and so did the battle system for this one, and then go figure. Two games later, they're the directors. You know what I mean? Or I just want to give a shout out to Nate Dog, R.I.P. But that was like so 
I don't know how much you follow all that, but Nate oh, Dogg, he was like featured on everything, and then everything. he finally got his own album, and I was like, ah, oh, that's awesome. Th- I mean, yeah, yeah, that, he, that he happens a like lot. Yeah. A, he just seemed like a just a work band's type individual. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, he was just like, I I just like doing music. Yeah, and and uh, and G Funk is my thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, oh, I just derailed us. No, that's fine. Okay. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I think this is this is one of those projects that I mean, considering what you all the stuff you were saying earlier, I mean, look how many people to come out of this project end up doing like extremely great things afterwards. Almost like, okay, thank thanks for putting the putting the spotlight on me, and I will I won't let this go to waste. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but on that note, uh, what are we gonna get into next? I think I want to take I a think break. We're, yeah, let's take a break. I don't know what we're going to get into next. Something. Something. But not this. Okay. Well, it'll be Final Fantasy VI, actually. It it has to be. That's kind of the whole point (laughs) of this episode. We are back. So, David, during the break, did you figure out what we were going to talk about? Not really. All we really talked about was uh, the PlayStation era... (laughs) (laughs) Or <laughs> each era of PlayStation. But Which we'll really get into luckily next month. Our, oh, yeah, because we we're going to be fine. When we get into, well, I mean, to be honest, when we do the podcast. Dude, we can on, have a whole podcast on PlayStation eras. Because, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. I just don't know how it can entertain you to be. Um, I think it would be, um, I think it'd be more informative than entertaining. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of games that transition from the the era that we're talking about now into next month's era which will be That's playstation true too whether it be i don't know whether it be uh like uh, breath I did, of fire i did or, want to do like a series of like the hi- history of games and and uh and trying to find the you know like where innovation happened you know like um all of a sudden you have a first you know golden eye you had to there wasn't the second analog stick to look around. Like, mm-hmm. what was the first first person shooter that had the second analog stick right. to look around? You know, stuff like that. Anyway, are you teasing a new series? I don't know. Maybe um, <laughs> that might be fun. I don't know. Maybe that might be too much work. Um, so I switched it around. Usually, I save first for the series for later on, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but then I moved it up to here. So that's what we're doing now. Oh, First for the series. Well, there's a lot for this one, really. Um, this was the first uh, steampunk instead of high fantasy, even though Final Fantasy Five and Four had like dipped it, into it a little bit. I was gonna say, isn't like a weird steampunk thing? Like, because it's like, well, um, it's very steampunk. It's not. It literally has steam coming out of the machines in the first uh, cutscene. Yeah, but it's not steam as much as it's like magic punk. Magic punk? Okay, well. Because, I mean, if you really look at it, in Final Fantasy VI, in the world, it is established that you can use magic as a, like, as a form of, I guess you can call it electricity, or a way to provide energy, um, and then mm-hmm. you can manipulate said energy for good or bad reasons. Um, and I think steampunk, it's usually... I mean, if we get to the nitty gritty about it, steampunk is technically steam-based uh, power. I think this would be always, closer to. I always thought about steampunk as just it, it's always like it's always like a dystopia, mm-hmm. and uh, and technology is, has just as much of a part as as like magic and and sometimes they don't even have magic in it. It's just the technology is so advanced that are you looking up? Mm-hmm. 
So let's see. A genre of science fiction that has his has a historical setting and typically features steam powered machinery rather than advanced technology. A style of design fashion that contains historical elements with anachronistic technology features inspired by science fiction. So that's where you so it looks like the original definition is something powered by steam mm-hmm. in a moderate or in an era where it wasn't. Okay. Um, and then the other definition is closer to what you were talking about in terms of like a pretty much a two-sided society with a science fiction basis, but in a in like a fantasy realm or whatever. So I can kind of I can kind of see where you're going with that um, to classify it as, as steampunk. But I always thought there should have been like some other name. Well, for it. you know, you always have your original definition, and then like. Oh, there's like 20 million steampunks. What can we do to freshen up steampunk? Oh, so like facial tissue. Steampunk meets high fantasy, you know. Yeah. Like the the standard or like the... Genre blending. Yeah. Well, I was saying facial tissue to Kleenex because nobody says facial tissue anymore. (laughs) So, but you, you, it's synonymous with. um, So now steampunk is synonymous with. Yeah. Steampunk is synonymous with anything that has to do with putting something in a place that it otherwise wasn't. Yeah. And then using that as like a basis for technology. So in this case, it's putting magic in an otherwise normal world. Alita Battle Angel. Yeah. That's steampunk. I still haven't seen that movie. Actually, I think that's... Did you see the movie? Yeah. Is it good? It's all right. Um, It's one of those movies that make you want a second one and then also maybe not. Um, (laughs) But... Well, because... I think I do. Because it's good. But at the same time, you're kind of afraid they're going to mess it up if they do anymore. That kind of thing. Right. Well, didn't it? It did. I think it did decent in the box it did, office. It did good. Yeah. Um, decent But enough. it was mm-hmm. definitely one of those ones that I think probably excelled in the Blu-ray DVD sales. Because I think, I mean, considering the original was actually an OVA, so pretty much a straight to video yeah. um, series. And I think it was only two, two I videos that. in it. Oh, it was what's OVA stand for? Um, original video animation, I believe. Oh, okay, well, I love the original OVA. Yeah, so I watched both of those, and I thought those were good and way better than that garbage Akira. Wow. <laughs> so we'll end up having an anime podcast, but this is not going to. Well, be I rely on you for anime, so yeah. Anytime I do the other podcasts, I'm always like. Eh. Can you contribute anime stuff, please, Will? Yes. I would um, like to learn. The in-between Final Fantasy episodes, yeah. Um, no. Uh, yeah, well, let's not even get into it. Okay. <laughs> so. So, some of the uh, some of the other first of the series. Uh, this one, ex- and I don't, I really don't remember from the other ones, uh, optional cutscenes. Um, four had a couple different ones, but it was definitely... Um, they were so far off the beaten path. I don't know if you consider them optional cutscenes. I don't even, I don't even remember them. Like I don't remember any. Well, I mean, all I mean, uh, I guess it was really how you classify cutscenes. But all the well story. I mean, like, uh, yes, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I mean, nowadays when you say cutscenes, like, you know, like with Final Fantasy VII, you know, all those flashbacks oh, with, like uh, stuff, with Zach. Yeah. yeah. Well, those weren't those weren't uh, CG, but you know, like oh, him in the truck and everything. Complete H- hidden scenes. Loose, yeah, yeah. That, I guess that's a better hidden scene. Sorry, that's a better terming for it. There's some in four right, um, with the like when you if you decided to get all of the the espers or whatever. Or not, not, what are they called in four? Crystals. 
The summons? Summons? When you go down into the... Uh, yeah. Like when you get Bahamut? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess technically so. those are optional. It just feels Seems. like more like a side quest than anything. Yeah. But, but like some some of these, you're not actually gaining anything. You're just gaining knowledge on the characters. I don't think it's first, but it is very prominent in this in this game. Fair. I, I mean, it's not like I. It's that's one that's hard to look up. Yeah. Um. You literally play through each individual game looking for it. But well, I mean. I mean, but those those hidden cutscenes, you know, they really like I was saying, they they add to the characters. I don't I don't I don't know if you ever saw like uh, Edgar and and Sabin's uh, backstory cutscene. Yes, actually, with so, the coin. Yes, yeah, so I accidentally yeah. happened yep. upon it's, that. It's I an went, accidental thing, and it's I rewarding. Walked into, I walked into a thing, I fell asleep, and then he, he uh, let's see, Sabin walked off. He had already walked away from my party. Mm-hmm. And then Seven went, he did all his thing, and then suddenly Edgar showed up and was like, son of a... And then they like went back and they were like explaining pretty much how how and how he left and why he left mm-hmm. and like how they were cool with each and other they had doing the, the thing. But yeah. then uh, did you get the uh, Setzer-Edgar scene? Not yet. Ah, so that was, when, that was when they first meet Setzer. And, uh, and Edgar and him, uh, Edgar and Setzer do a bet. And Edgar says, it's cool, I got, I got the perfect coin. And he flips the coin, and Edgar wins. And Setzer is like impressed because he's like, oh, "You, you tricked me! It's a double, it's a one-sided actually, coin." It's not Setzer and Edgar; it's Setzer and Celis. Celis actually does that to him. Whenever they initially, when we are recruiting Setzer, yeah. But if you have Ed, it, so it's specific. So you find out that it's Edgar's coin when when you have certain party members or when you have certain people in your party. You find out it's Edgar's coin, and then you're like, "Oh." Cause, uh, cause Edgar gave them like, hey, we'll flip a coin. Let's see who becomes ruler of uh, Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Edgar was it was Edgar's coin, and Edgar decided for Sabin. He took on the response. No, no, but neither one of them wanted it. But Sabin took on that responsibility, or Edgar took on that responsibility, so he could let Sabin do his thing. Okay. And then you find out later on, because of that cutscene with Setzer and Edgar. Edgar Coyne, that that's what really happened. Right. Again, whenever I went to get Setzer, Celis mm-hmm. was one who used the yep. coin. So. And so, well, that's, I mean, things play out, you know, like the same, but mm-hmm. then if you have certain characters, you find out more backstory to them. Um, so I can see that being like definitely like, like a whole idea of... I mean, unfortunately, you're going you're gonna to miss out on some realm shadow backstory. Yeah, because I did something wrong, but it's okay. Um, I don't. The thing is, I don't know because I don't really replay games, so I don't know if I'll ever like play it again to get all the characters. But yeah. who knows? Who no, knows? I get that. I mean, at this day and age, you can just read about it and you're like, oh, that's cool, neat. Yeah. Um, this one, you know, there was the actually. I guess it was. I kept on thinking that it was a hidden scene. Uh, lock in in the. Did you get lock back yet? Not yet. Uh, okay, so. There's a scene with Locke in the the Esper Phoenix, mm-hmm. and I think actually oh because he's looking for the artifact to bring somebody back mm-hmm. to life because the thing okay so don't spoil that part because I'm I'm pretty close to it I yeah. believe. So this is the game that actually Phoenix became my favorite favorite mystical cre- creature. Um, this game, yeah, and I thought it was just a side story, but I guess it's I mean I mean realistically there's a lot of stuff you can miss in the in the second half of the game. 
Yeah. You don't necessarily but, have to ha- get every one of the characters. But we'll get back into that. Yeah. In, uh, or we'll get into that when we talk about the, the main story. So where are the crystals? Hmm? Where are the crystals? Magicite. Not really crystals. They are. I guess. I, I mean... Considering like, that you can actually get an item called a Magicite Shard, it's a crystal. But this is... This is the first one where sorry they it, don't it's crystallized they don't explicitly say it's a crystal like there's crystals in it because usually in all the other games it's got the it's got the but the item typical itself, looking it crystal. shows something that is similar to a crystal it looks like a a steampunk crystal it's still a crystal nonetheless <laughs> um yeah I mean because I know this is kind of a running thing we're trying to figure out where all the crystals are because yeah, they yeah. have to be in every Final Fantasy. Um, and they have to be usually at the center of the Final Fantasy. Yeah, it's like a crystallized esper. Yes. Um, and plus, I believe they even say it's like the crystallized essence of an esper that they leave. I'm pretty sure that. they say something similar to that. Right? I'm sure. Yeah. So uh, this is the first one with Wedge and Biggs, which neat, they start off the game, which yeah. is kind of funny. But um, they're also in Final Fantasy 14. They're pretty big characters. Yeah. I think they're in every one of the games since 6. They work uh, for Garland's Ironworks. So Garland is also a throwback to the yeah. first game. Well, Final uh, Fantasy IV, 14 is, you know, a love note to a lot of, and of then the fans. The Ironworks is a throwback to Final Fantasy VI in that it is where they manufacture Magitech armors. Got it. So it's pretty cool. There's, a, there's like so many nods to everything else in fourteen. It's actually kind of ridiculous. They should do that. Yeah. Um... So this is the first one where the weapons look different, which yes, I really appreciate. Yes, um, this is the first one with uh, party switching. Yes. Also, and well, I guess you could change your equipment in previous games, but yeah, you change your equipment during battles. That's kind of cool. Can you? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because you can go to the top and then push up again. Okay, and you can use them as an item as well. Yeah, I think um, you could do that in the other ones can, too. But right. yeah, Shadow can just throw them. Uh, well. <laughs> um, this is the first one with a non-human party member. Who would that be? Hmm? Who would that be? There's like two of them. We're talking about Terra? Well, she's still half. No, I'm talking about Mog and Umari. Umari? I don't have him. I never got Umari. We had Mog. Yeah, I don't... I Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, this one actually has secret party members. Go like go all, like, like all the Umari. things I haven't gotten yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, this was the first one with the Coliseum, which is ends up being a uh, uh, kind of the cliche stereotype, whatever it's called. Oh, like the standard that's in all the games. We just probably. had a podcast on it. And I don't remember what the other word for it. Not cliche trope. trope. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the first one with the Cactor. Adorable. Yes, which I I am looking forward to getting that summon. Oh, there's a summon for it? Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, this is the first one that breaks the fourth wall. Several times. Several times. The characters literally jump at the screen. This and I, I'm pretty sure it's the only one. I can't think of another one that does. Also, I feel like this might be one of the first ones with a character like Ultros that is not necessarily essential to the story, but provides a... Like that comedic release yeah and it's like it's fan it's almost like fan service somehow in its own weird little way yeah yeah because he's just obsessed with women and how is it fan service inside of its own original game that's kind of (laughs) weird but but well because it's one of those characters again that it's not essential but it definitely feels like 
he pops up into scenes that he should not pop up in. Yeah. And then And he's a and he's a octopus. He's just an octopus <laughs> he's that like, loves yeah, I'm just, women. I'm just chilling up on this stage here. Yeah. Out of nowhere. And I can use a tsunami. Yeah, like, and then on he the has stage. This, he has this oh, and I think this is where they introduce uh um his his buddy, Tupon, the the one who Oh yeah, yeah. Um and apparently like the weird purple cloud thing. Yeah. He comes back in Final Fantasy Seven as well. I, I don't remember. He's an optional person. Um, well, actually, have to make a course. remake of Six, I don't know how they're going to make Ultros work. I'm sure they'll well, find a way. Final Fantasy XIV uses Ultros as a as a side character, too. Yeah. And um, there's a whole thing. There's a Coliseum involved. There's yeah. a, But he's still the same thing. Seems still the same way. He loves women. He, The thing is, like... Um, Why does he the, love women so I don't, well? I don't know. I kind of feel like they did the the... The uh, the tentacle thing, yeah, and then also like I think he oh, was that's just awkward. They just kind of gave him a personality trait, and it's just he's a pervy little octopus. Because <laughs> I mean, in Final Fantasy VI, it wasn't just any, or it was pretty much just any woman. Really, mm-hmm. he had no specifics. Because I mean, even when Realm came into the party, he, she you, she you offered know, to so draw she offered to draw him a picture, and he's like, oh, I can never turn down a pretty lady. It was really funny because like when I you watched the second season of OA, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh gosh, that was like the first thing I thought of was Ultros. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty insane. That, um, that scene. So this is the first one with uh, low health limit breaks. I've never experienced. Said I don't remember break. experiencing them either because the game's kind of easy, realistically, in terms of other Final Fantasy games. Yeah, and then the the PC and the in the Android version, they are they make it even easier because like Sabin's um like his. Uh, whatchamacallit his blitz techniques yeah, yeah. where normally you'd have to enter them every time mm-hmm. you can put it, the game on auto and if you had entered it once it'll just keep on playing that same one so you could do things like disappointing. you could do things like the the rising cutter and the oh like the suplex where you have to go in a full circle or whatever um yeah well that well there's the one I don't use those ones I only use his attack alls I use, so like, rising phoenix and the Oh, the right is that the one with like it's like the flame one with it just a bunch of it's a bunch him. of him yeah. looking like flames yeah so yeah. there's that one that hits everybody mm-hmm. and then there's another one called like risings or like cutter or something like that it's just like an air version of that other one but it hits everybody and I don't think it has an element to it um either way so that one that one's yeah it makes it makes the game really easy going through it that way it's already easy. Um and well I said I said this one actually earlier uh this is the first to be directed by someone other than Sakaguchi right so sorry going back to those limit breaks what are his limit breaks because I've never experienced any of them at all <sighs> I have no clue I really I don't even know what they look like that's unfortunate let's take a break okay we're recording oh oh nice yeah that was that was not a transition. So, in case our latest scene audience doesn't know, uh, the Nino Kuni remaster is on PC. <laughs> and it has been since September yeah. of 2019. There you guys know. Or, there you guys know. There you guys go. There you guys know. <laughs> uh, so, now we're going to get into gameplay a little bit. And mm-hmm. uh, we already talked about this too. This is kind of one of the easier ones. But, so, to go along with the fact that it's easier though, I always, I felt like... It was also one of the most satisfying. 
Um, if that makes any sense to you. Well, yeah, I think I know it makes a lot of sense. One of the things that I noticed about a lot of the earlier Final Fantasy games is they didn't give you a lot of ways to hit every right. enemy at once. Pretty much just magic. Uh, yeah, and even yang. then, because magic was so sparse, you just yeah. didn't use it to hit everybody at once. You just kind of. Well, that's just... what made Yang special, I suppose. He was like the only. Party oh yeah, player. with the kick. Yeah. yeah. Um. It was just like a flying karate kick or whatever. Um, well, I guess technically with the job classes of... Uh, yeah, with five, it made it a little bit easier. But yeah. I feel like it's always been like at the beginnings of these games, you just had nothing to hit all. Mm-hmm. So no matter how many, like you had all these enemies and like pretty much like a difficulty spike would occur once there was more than three enemies on, on the screen. Right. Um, and then I feel like for six, they started off giving... Because Edgar was so early in the... In the game, they gave you the auto crossbow, which allowed you to hit everybody. Well, you had to buy it, but yeah, I know. But it, they gave you an option to, yeah, like, yeah. to get to that. Pretty and much it, right it, from the and it didn't not cost from the resources. Go, but early yeah. on, it didn't cost resources mm. as well. So that was That's another true. thing. I didn't think about that. Also, um, I don't know. Four might have been the first one to do it, um, but. The, the ability to make ma- you take an individual magic spell and make it cast on everybody. You could do that in four. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there was, there was that you option like as the well. R on the, the Super Nintendo, you hit the R button. Yeah. I think you do the same thing on the uh, Final Fantasy VI as well. Um, of course, there's certain spells that you can't cast on all, but yeah. It's uh, a lot of, it's like weird, like modern conveniences we don't, mm. you know. Um, <laughs> and also, I think they were just like, I would like. Remember when we couldn't skip cutscenes? Yeah. Yeah. We still can't. Um, In some games. Yeah. Which is just yeah. mind-boggling. Um, so, yeah. So, they did that a little bit early on in the game, which helped a lot with making the game easier, but also making the game more, a little bit more forgiving, uh, especially when you got kind of, uh, I guess, mobbed by a bunch of people. Or sometimes they'd hit you with like the, the cutscene type battles mm-hmm. and they'd just give you a whole bunch of enemies to fight and it got pretty annoying. But if you you know, if you pulled the right people in your party and you had the the all abilities for, for those people, then it was uh, a little bit more convenient to get through the to the game. Um like I always kept Edgar in my party if I could. Because Yeah, I, Edgar was always in my party. Edgar sat or what was your part okay, so mine was Edgar, Sabin, Terra and Locke. So when I have Locke, Locke is always in my group because I always steal. There's not an enemy that gets by me that I don't steal from. Um, <laughs> or most mug. Of, most of the time I play, I don't have the, the artifact for that yet, but um, or whatever they call it in the game. Artifact, you're right. Okay. Um, so most of the game... Oh, relic. Relics, yeah. Um, so I played with Locke. I always had... Um, I think I always had Sabin, and I usually tried to pull Edgar, but for some reason, Edgar disappears in so many scenes that it just got kind of annoying. Like, in terms of, like, when you make parties and stuff like that, Edgar mm-hmm. always seems to go off on another thing, which was really annoying to me. Um, and I finally have him back in my party, and I'm like, okay, he's I don't know. He's trying to talk to the ladies. Yeah. He's always trying to make... Him and Ultra should be friends. Probably they would be great friends, but <laughs> they both respect women. Um, um, so, yeah. So... That's kind of my party. I actually usually use Yang. Not Yang. Sorry. What's his name? Shadow? No. Um, Cyan. Sorry. Cayenne. Cyan. Cayenne. <laughs> I how, don't know. how would you say the color? I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, his clothes are kind of 
No, no, the color is, is there's a color called cyan. cyan. Wait, did I say cyan? <laughs> did I say cyan originally and then I switched to the cayenne? No, I think you just <laughs> said cayenne originally. I don't even know. But I mean, it, I mean that's there's we've run into that in each one of the games for the most part is cyan. the fact that what? Cyan. 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 It's like cyan. a saiyan, like cyan. super saiyan, probably super cyan. Yeah, it's a greenish blue color, <laughs> which is one of the primary subtractive colors. Who says that his name is pronounced that way? I mean, we've definitely seen names where like it's it's shown one way and it's pronounced some other funky way. Who knows? Who knows? Who cares? Who cares um, about phonetics? Anyways, he's always in my party because he has that uh, that one focus ability where you can hit multiple people. Yeah. Well, I always hate that you hit the timer thing. Yeah, but that's why I cast. Uh, that's why I always have, give him Hermes sandals so he's like super quick. I think it's just a haste ring. Or is it Hermes sandals now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I switched that up. It used to be a haste, just called haste ring. Well, they have more space for text now, <laughs> so they wrote it all the way out. Doesn't seem like. Oh uh, yeah, I guess. It, okay, okay. There's nothing up there. I just. Oh, uh, I'm just like looking at the sky. I was wondering. I what's do going that. On. I do that when I'm like trying to figure things out. I'll look up. Mm. So does Captain America. Does he? Um, I'll show you the meme later. He's uh, my hero. Yeah. There's a lot of birds around, so I'm always looking take out for birds. Down to zero. <laughs> That's actually Captain Planet. That's true. America. Um, Although Don Cheadle is in Avengers. Sure. Okay. So uh, this gameplay. <laughs> gameplay. Uh, this one actually has, I guess, is another first. Is the uh, multiple team battles? Or I guess, I guess this is not the first. Um, well, because you in Final Fantasy V, there's a secret dungeon you could split your party into, or you, you had to split your party into. But that secret dungeon, was it actually introduced in the original game or was it in one of the remakes? If only I knew. I really don't know on that. Um, But it was kind of cool. I I did love the whole, it was like this tactical map where you have to kind of put your characters right and you you were defending against a surge of, of enemies on the map. Right. Oh, oh yeah, that, um, pretty much. So for me, I always just ended up positioning all of my people all the way back at yeah. all of the, the main entrances mm-hmm. or whatever, um, and then just kind of letting it all play out. And Except it's for always... the bad thing part is if you do that, though, if you're actually your party member dies, like... But the game's easy enough where I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. end up having party members die. The only thing uh, that I dealt with for party members is... Like I just made sure that I made my parties to where somebody has an all ability, somebody has good curing, and then I was good to go. On some of the maps, there's spots where there's only like there's only two. Yeah. There's like only two entrance ways they can get there, and then mm-hmm. I'll just say, okay, there's one person in this party, and then I'm gonna max out the other ones. Yeah, pretty much. But I enjoyed it. I liked it. It was cool. It it was just good. It was a good way of making you feel like everybody is important. Every party member is important. Right. Actually, I I probably it, it, in this game I probably switched. Well, it kind of forces you to, but I switched out my party a ton in this game just because there's no real bad characters. Uh, I probably Sabin and Edgar were like mainstays, and the other ones I just switched around a whole bunch. Right. I I felt like it was one of those things where it gave you the opportunity to fan out all your favorite character by yeah. by sometimes giving you the option to build your party, where other times it's like. I know, I know you really, really love this character, but 
they got to go flirt. He's got to go flirt with some girls right now. Right. And so I'm going to need you to try to level this person. Also, they did a lot of background calculations to pull like levels together Mm -hmm. so that you make sure you didn't have such a huge disparity. Like when they're gone out of the party. Yeah. Yeah. They're still gaining experience. Right. At some capacity. Yeah. Um, and I know that when you get them, when you're starting to recruit everybody back in the world of ruin, mm-hmm. um, that you actually get, I think they come back into your party as the average level of your current party. That makes sense. Um, which, no, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Which I mean, it, it kind of sucks in a little bit because if they, once they do that, they're not going to be equipped any, with anything. Mm-hmm. So they're not getting the benefits of the espers, which is a big thing. Yeah, in this game. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, um, it's. It is, but it, I mean... And it's meta-leveling, too. That's another thing that I noticed about this game, is that... Meta-leveling? Yeah, so mean? not only are you leveling the character just purely levels, when you have... Well, I guess we can start, We can talk about that. I don't know if it's further down in your list of things to talk about for gameplay. Okay, well, you don't have it at all. So, one of the big things about Final Fantasy VI is they technically started the Materia trend early on. Oh, I had that written down. Um, Espers and, and gaining magic and stat growth. Right. Yeah. So when I say meta gaming, um, I mean or meta leveling. It's kind of like um, Pokemon back in the day had this thing I never where Pokemon. Hmm? It's terrible. Well, Pokemon <laughs> had this thing back <laughs> in the kidding. day called like EV training, or um, so you you would fight certain creatures or you fight certain Pokemon to level a Pokemon a certain way. Right. So if they defeated a certain type of Pokemon or a certain Pokemon. They would gain more strength or something like right, that right, when right. leveled. So in this case, every time if you had an Esper, well, wait a minute, did Pokemon come first or did Final Fantasy VI come first? Obviously, Pokemon came first. Did it? Oh, is it regular Nintendo Pokemon? Pokemon is Game Boy, the original uh, Game Boy. Wow, really? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Um, but in this case, when you have certain Espers equipped, they actually have special abilities that they give you. Um, not only do they allow you to learn, um learn new magics and stuff like that but also some of them have extra stat growth so what i was saying when you get people back like if they went from being your least used character to now forcing you to use them they have only standard growth as a character and the people who you're actually using and having espers equipped to say for instance maybe you just want this guy to be an extreme powerhouse in terms of just physical fighting so you equip ifrit because he always gives you plus one strength every time you level up right and so you want that for, for that character specifically. But if you were to get somebody back, say, for instance, Cyan or Cayenne or whatever you want to call him, um, and you get him back and you haven't leveled him for 10 or 15 levels, but then he's suddenly the same level as everybody else, you don't get to like customize that growth, which kind I feel of... I like it was so minimal in that game. It's like, I, I mean, it was, it was definitely an aspect that I never even... I didn't even bother paying attention. The it, game was easy, too. So it, didn't really it was easy, to. but I am... I'm I'm really big on, like... You're into it. I'm I'm a yeah. big meta gamer. Like, um, there's a lot of, like, mobile games that I play that it's, it is about that. Like, <laughs> So it's like, like, you know, normally at this time, this guy would be taking off, like, 96 HP. But now, now he's taking he's off 98. 98. Bam! I like those kinds of things. Um, I, it, it, there's... It's another like level of customization. Mm. Um, also, it makes it feel more or less like you're so actually. You're the type of people that are making these games annoying to me. Oh, the the meta gaming stuff. Well, well, I'm the if they take it spreadsheets for games like that. So if they take it too, uh, yeah, I know. If they take it too far, then I'm like, this is just 
this is too much. I just want to have fun. Well, I think a half the time what ends up happening is the developer will put together a game. They'll say, this is the system. And then it will be somebody like me, a battle programmer who goes, <laughs> we can make this deeper. <laughs> and that's what they end up doing for the people who like that. Otherwise, <laughs> so they're, they're helping and you got the producer or the director and he was like, yeah, we should do this. This seems really fun. And then they got this game designer. He was like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And you're like, and the design or director's well, like, oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You can well, put a little bit of your stuff in there. You can take your thousand spreadsheets and minimize it to like 10 pages worth of stuff. We're good. I mean, to be honest, that's kind of how it works. I mean, it half probably the, is on half some the time. Level. Like, or think about think about Persona stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just play that game straight through, enjoy the the side stories, enjoy like the relationships and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Or you could get real nitty gritty and maximize relationships and to maximize certain stats. Oh. And, you know what I mean? Well, I, yeah. So okay, yeah, yeah, I do like that one. See. But but that's what a lot I think a lot of but modern it makes RPGs the game, do that. Like they makes the game not easier, just uh What is another modern RPG that you've played recently? Tales of Basaria. Okay, so Tales of Basaria, when you're leveling up, you're getting regular statistic mm-hmm. growth and yeah, everything. Yeah, you have like all that. these like you have all these uh buffer things you can get. And oh, but it drives me crazy. It but I d- want them all. But you don't have to do it, though. I don't. You could play the game straight through without having to... I did. After a while, it like, became so cumbersome that I was like, okay, I just don't even care. I will just... But the game pe- can be harder or whatever. Some people enjoy that. And this uh, Final Fantasy VI was not, you know, was not an exception to that rule. A lot of... I feel like they included a lot of systems for the people who wanted the to min-max their characters. Mm-hmm. They also included a lot of side quests that, for min-maxing. Whether it be uh, just killing all the dragons to get the Crusader summoned. Oh, that's fun. I mean, that, who doesn't want to slay a dragon? You know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, unless you're Dude, like an animal like rights activist or something. Man, like I love that. that. I love that game. Huh? Final Fantasy VI is so great. It is good. Um, that, I love. I, I kind of love these podcasts because it just it's always like a reminder to me, like, oh yeah, guys, you're so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, so I think one of the yeah, I think that aspect of like layers of gameplay, because again, the whole game can be played without even thinking about those things, and suddenly you're like, "Hmm, this person is really strong with cure magic." I wonder why. You look at their stats; suddenly they have a lot of magic, mm. and then you're like, "Oh, oh, it must yeah. have been when I leveled up this thing." Or say, for instance, somebody like Celis or um, or Terra are like they have innate abilities to use I love magic. the names yeah. that are universal were like you say Terra, I say Terra, probably everyone says Terra, and then there's like the names where everyone has their own way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, so I, I did like that like that aspect of the game. Also summons are just cool in video games. So I'm glad that you brought out meta leveling on your own without me mentioning it. Yes. So another one, uh the whole magic site armor I was gonna, so, I thought it was well. I remember the first time I played it. Magitech. Oh, yeah, you said that one wrong. My bad. Uh, the Magitech armor. I remember the first time I played it and those first battles. I remember thinking like how cool it was that you could hop in these machines and use the magic and everything. And then it was interesting though because then it became such a minimal thing. I think you only used it one other time after that. Yep. Maybe and then they, twice. Well, well, okay. So here's the thing. 
that's a really good uh, good way to take mechanics, put them into the gameplay, and then also put them into the story. And so when you get rid of them, you know why you got rid of them because Magitek is the thing that ruined everything. Right. And so. And they weren't uh, that powerful after all. Yeah. You By the beginning, they were powerful. Stronger. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it, it was. So it, it kind of lives to the story. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I never thought about it when I was playing it, but I thought about it immediately. I was like, uh, well, I, I just realized I'm not doing like very when much I was damage. Way younger. Yeah. So there's another one you talked about. Um, I don't know if this is the first one, but the the whole relics. No, nope, it wasn't the first one, but I, the relics though. Okay, so relics are named relics, but to be honest, relics are just accessories. Attachments, accessories, yeah. Which are used in many other games. Well, I think in the other ones, I think in. Ah, man, I can't most remember of the time, now. Most of the time they were used as, like, just, like, stat sticks. Well, so. well, in 5, wasn't it, like, the armor that gave you stat buffers? And you didn't... Depending on... There's certain armors that... I really that don't remember you. that aspect. But, but also, relics in 5 were more or less just equipping another class's abilities. Mm, okay. Um, It wasn't, like... Yeah. No, never mind. 5 gave you ribbon, I think. Um, You had ribbons for, like, the... Or was that effects. a helmet? Who knows, man? <laughs> Either way, the relics. We in this just did this podcast like a month ago. I, we I can't remember. It's terrible. The relics in this one definitely were a lot more. Um, they were like passive effects. Yeah, um, yeah, and there was a, a, a wider range of of things they could do. Um, and you could only equip two at once. And there was like this weird thing where, in most of the other games, just holding the cancel button, you could run. But in this mm-hmm. game, you had to equip sprint shoes well, to run. Well, in the original... Okay, so this is all for the remakes. So in the original ones, this is the first one where you could sprint anywhere. And you just put on those shoes and you could sprint around. But that was, this was the first game. I should have added that to first. Because you couldn't sprint in Final Fantasy V or... Yeah. And all those ones. So, uh, so something different, too, for the gameplay in this one. Well, I guess it's... I, I hmm. So all the characters can have every single magic spell in the game. And yes. so so everybody in this game can can use which heal, is, which is which, like a dream for me. Yeah, which I guess is I because guess I'm still I guess that's still true for like 3 and 5. Uh but I mean it it's a little different just because it's a actual cast of characters and not generic. Yeah, it's of. like it's like a it's like a blend of of four and five because in four you know everyone had their specific skills but you know now everyone could use magic now everyone can heal mm-hmm. and maybe they're just trying to do like a, a best of both worlds type thing right instead of having the job classes now we're having uh these these very um well they made it individual point. personalities you know for yeah. each one they made it a point to make magic not a normal thing for people to have Right. And then, so then by giving them a way to inherit magic, then that was like their like passive way of saying, okay, well, here's the thing. Everybody has their own special skills. Everybody has their own special proficiencies and stuff like that. But because we need to have, add like an equalizer to everybody, let's mm-hmm. give them all magic. So that way everybody can heal. Everybody can technically raise somebody back. Everybody can, he- uh, they can do like specific elemental damage. Where maybe somebody's specialty, like a, like a blitz attack, only does fire damage, but he can still use a blizzard spell if he needs to. Right. That kind of thing. Which, again, probably lends closer to why that game was so easy, because you had so many 
ways to kill people, creatures, and things that it kind of got to a point where, like, the fact that they added an auto function in the Android and the Steam version, like, it definitely showed how easy the game was. I do wonder, though, like, if you used, <laughs> like, because there's definitely, it feels like there's definitely characters in this game, and we're about to get into characters after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely characters in this game that seemed OP, and the other ones just seem kind of like you're, it's like a handicap if you're using them. Yeah, but, okay, so there's certain characters, uh, let's just say Sabin and well, let's, uh Before we do that, let's let's insert break. Or not. There's, uh, <laughs> Darn it. there's certain characters like Sabin or... or or Edgar actually, who have abilities that doesn't actually tell you how they're calculated. Mm-hmm. So, say for instance, auto crossbow. It's I don't know if it's completely dependent on his strength or if it's dependent on his level because I think it's a random one. Yeah. So okay. So because sometimes if you use the ability, um, it seems like it's super strong, and then other times you don't because it's just technically a physical ability. It's probably based on his level. Yeah, because I, I was like, I'm pretty sure I equipped something. So, okay, well, it so, also ignores armor. Seems to ignore armor. No, and it, the drill ignores ignores armor. The okay. auto crossbow still ca- uh, takes that into it. Though? It does. Okay. Um, the reason why I say that is because sometimes, like, I use the Genji gloves on Sabin, and okay. he actually can attack two times, and like each time he's doing like seven or eight hundred damage. Mm-hmm. But then if I do like the the Phoenix Rising or the Rising whatever, okay. Um, and he hits everybody, sometimes that does less than, or it does only, like, the attack of one ability. So it doesn't mean that it's actually not calculating both hits, or is it not, it's only calculating based on strength, or, you know, those kinds of things. So they were OP, like, sometimes when you started off an area, but then slowly but surely your other characters, if they got a new weapon or something like that, they, they became yeah, stronger. Yeah, I get that. Um, but yeah, no, actually that would have been a really good way to balance it. Um, is not get like you go to a new town and not everybody can get a new weapon. That's kind of what they did in the game though. The, I say, I don't remember that. I'm like, well, I mean, it's, it has actually been a while since I played in this one. Yeah. Um, sometimes but, when you went to an armor shop or, or weapon shop, they gave specific weapons for specific characters. And that's when you knew that you need to level those characters or you need to, yeah, you want to start sure using them? them? Yeah, because you're about to start using them. Yeah. I probably never even noticed when I was playing. Yeah. I was like, I don't care. Sabin and, and Edgar for life, you know. <laughs> so, um, we, so We can take a break, though, if you really want to now. No, it's fine. I guess we're not going to do that. So well, we're just going to keep on going. Once we're done with mechanics. We're not going to do any more. We're not going to do any more breaks this whole podcast. Why not? Because you said no breaks. Oh. <laughs> Now we're like for reals back. Maybe. Um, depending on how I cut that, I guess. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, so I did break this up into physical-oriented jobs, balanced jobs, and magic-oriented jobs. Characters. Well, characters. But this is kind of a weird game where, I don't know, we'll see how you feel about it. Once. So do you think of Locke as a physical-based character? Yes. Okay. Edgar? Yes. So okay, I'll, I'll start with. So Locke has the ability. His the his job class is thief adventurer, and he has the ability to steal, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. physical based. Uh, Edgar is a machinist. He uses the tools, and I think it's kind of funny that he has a Jason mask when he uses the chainsaw. Yeah, sometimes that was uh, legit. When it goes like the instant kill or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, physical based. Uh, Sabin, he's a monk. What do you call him? Mash. 
Oh, uh, oh, I put it on that one. So I guess in the Japanese version, his name is Mash, <laughs> okay. which is weird. But I mean, maybe in Mashu, Mashi, or maybe they're just referring to button mashing. Maybe. Oh, hmm. Maybe. Uh, he uses the Blitz ability, which I mean, he trains to be a monk. It's a physical one. Uh, Shadow is a ninja. He has the ability to throw everything. Everything. Uh, you just stop on and you'll be fine. Yeah, but he's also got that the dog. Like the random dog that... That will come back in Final Fantasy VIII. Angelo. For Renoa. Really? Angelo Rush. Oh, yeah. He, he can If you read certain books around mm-hmm. around the whole game, Angelo will trigger certain abilities, whether he'll come... He'll, like, pop in, he'll dig, and he'll find an item. Or oh, yeah. if you get, like, his best book, he'll actually can revive people. Wow, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Come on, man. Step the game up. <laughs> Okay, so. it's really funny when you ever say that. It always makes me, reminds me of that PSP commercial that they had. There was a catchphrase for PSP. They had the little kid come in, and he would he'd hold him and be like, "Step your game up." Oh. You don't remember this? No. That's okay. Uh, so I see you wrote cayenne. Cayenne. <laughs> like as in cayenne pepper. <laughs> uh, he's a, he's a samurai, which you know another. He uses the bushido, uh, physical base. I guess they really are kind of. Uh, it didn't feel like it when I was writing it down just because it's, you know, all of them could use magic. Mm-hmm. But I guess technically they really do have a a set class. Uh, Sester's the gambler and he uses the slots, which is, I don't know if that's, it might be more. What about Gao? Oh, I put him in there. Yeah, he's feral youth. He uses rage. Rage is pretty cool. It's uh, kind of a blue magic thing though. Yeah, it's a really unique one though. But actually it's, it, it feels more like it's, it's, the skills, but he still his skills can still be magical. But you have in order to learn them, you have to have them in your party, and then you have to go some or a specific place called the Velt, and you actually have to just fight, 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 fight. Eventually, he just says, "All right, I'm gonna head out." And then you have to make sure you go back there with well, an extra slot in your party. You, well, you select the one that you want him to to go with, right? He's you, like, you use an ability, and then he just dips out afterwards. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to hang out with these monsters for a while. Um, and then, like, if you you have to leave an extra place in your party, mm-hmm. and you have to have an item called dried meat in, in your inventory, and then you come back, and you're just fighting, 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 and randomly he'll be like, what up? And then you give him the dried meat, and he's like, oh, yeah, y'all are cool. And then he jumps <laughs> back in your party, and suddenly he has, like, a bazillion new abilities because everybody you fight in the Velt, in between times, he'll get those... Or I believe, sorry, he'll get the abilities of the ones that you left with and yeah, the yeah, abilities yeah. of the ones that you got him back on. Oh, I didn't know about that. That might be something they added just yeah. for convenience sake. They might have also, I think, I'm pretty sure you get every ability but you from don't the have to, characters in between as well. But oh, I, don't, I don't really know. But uh, you don't actually have to use, like, to get them back. It's just the first time you use the dry meat or whatever. No, you have to use it every time. Yep. Really? Yep. Oh. I found like, that out the hard way. In Final Fantasy, or in Final Fantasy 3 version uh he just if you had an empty slot he'd just come back to you yeah he's like hey guys he just still he sits there the thing the only reason why i knew this is because um when i did it i accidentally i had everybody on auto attack Mm -hmm. still and (laughs) yeah he'll get pissed off yeah i beat him up and then i had to go fight again a bunch of times to figure or to get he would just automatically come back in in the original version yeah i think they wanted to turn it into a mini game so they did well maybe in like the original japanese version that happened maybe in the u.s they're like oh seems kind of hard for american audience yeah 
Um, that being said, I liked his I liked his way of doing stuff. Also, the belt just happened to be like where every monster you've ever encountered suddenly just randomly appears <laughs> yeah. in that area, so he can get his abilities. I, I suppose I did. I suppose I did use Gao a bit, and I used Setzer a bit. I used Cayenne. I really did use them all. Uh, I didn't really use Umaro. I've never even the Berserker. Uh, he's just like a bombroll snowman, and he's has berserk the whole time. But I mean. Oh. I guess he's... I don't know. I didn't like not being able to control him, so I didn't really use him. Um, and then the balanced job classes was uh, Terra. She's the... She's a Magitech Elite. She mm-hmm. uses the, the trance ability. And I don't really remember... The trance... That's just when she turns into... Her Esper form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she just gets stronger. That's all. Yeah. That's, that's all it really was. Uh, it didn't matter the if it was physical or magical attack. Trance huh? would come back in Final Fantasy IX. Yes, it would. As a overall mechanic for every character. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Celeste, Lee's class, whatever her name is. Uh, she's the Rune Knight. She's Runic, which allowed her to absorb magic if she, you select the Runic attack mm-hmm. or ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Gogo, who is the mime or mimic character, uh, which comes back from Final Fantasy V. And this one, his character just repeats the last thing someone else did. Mm-hmm. Which can make him pretty, pretty powerful. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I... He would also make a comeback in Final Fantasy VII. I don't remember any of these. Just kidding. Um, okay. The mimic ability uh, would come back oh, as well yeah, too yeah, in yeah. Final Fantasy VII. And then uh, the more magical-oriented uh, character classes were was uh, Mog. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the dance ability, which is basically like his own... I don't know. I guess he's kind of close to the gal, really. So I don't really know if it was magic. Yeah, it's magical a, dances. It's very specific to him, that's for sure. And wasn't it based on maybe maybe it's more like the the geomancer from the previous games? Because might have been. I'm could, not really sure because I don't have the character. Never, I never got him. Oh, you didn't get him in the in the before the second half. No, I oh. told you I I missed a lot of stuff. Okay, well I was relying on you to remember this stuff. Well, I can't remember <laughs> it if I never got it. Yeah. Uh, then there's uh, Strago and Realm, and Strago was just straight up blue magic. And how how did he? Strago, you had to have the ability done on you. Okay, it's, yeah. so it's more traditional. Yeah. And then uh, Realm was the pictomancer, and she had the sketch ability, and Which she was weird, just weird. Yeah, she would draw like she would draw one of the enemies you're fighting, and they would use one of the attacks on their own attack ability onto them, and. Um, very different than from the other ones. Mm-hmm. Very, very different. Anything you want to add about characters? Um, trying to think of these abilities. If there's anything I remember being unique. Well, Blitz is pretty unique. Yeah. Asking you to put in like Street Fighter commands. The that's why I thought it was button mashing. It was why they. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, nicely in the. Uh, the nice thing about the Android and the PC versions is that they have like physical inputs for every direction, including the diagonals. Mm-hmm. So you can like just for like the so for the Android version, you can just press on them, and then for the PC version, it's just when you click a, a directional, it shows you like it shows that directional being clicked, so you can know if you messed up, and you just press B and do it again if you messed up like the diagonal. Oh, really? Yeah. So it makes it a little bit easier. That's dumb. It's not. Um, like in the original, like if you mess up, like yeah, the thing is, you anything. never know if you messed up. You just do the thing, and then he'd go, <gasps> and then he wouldn't do it. Yeah, which I didn't like. Hmm. I was really good, so it didn't yeah, whatever, whatever. I, I, I played Street Fighter, so 
I, no big I deal. played I played many fighting games as well. I just wasn't very good at that aspect of of the games, and I didn't see the need in being. <laughs> it was cool. I don't know. I I I remember when I was a kid. I really enjoyed it. Like a weirdo. <laughs> um. So as far as going on to the story now, ooh. And I'm gonna kind of. I'll just set up like the the premise of the story. The 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 history. How much do we want to spoil? I don't want to spoil too much, but I mean, this is like the basis, the history of the world there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, the the world. It wasn't even. It wasn't really created by these gods, but uh, the the story revolves around these three warring gods, uh, who and there's already humans and tra- animals there, but they they basically went to this planet or into this realm or whatever just to fight, and then they used the things that were there as as their tools. So they transformed humans and animals into espers, uh, giving them a magical abilities. Um, Realizing their war, war was destroying the world, they turned themselves to the stone. Uh, they wanted the espers to not let their powers be abused. Mm-hmm. So the espers created a new dimension using the, the god statues. And so they hid their, so they could hide away from everyone else and be peaceful. Okay. Esperland was discovered and corrupt humans used it for their own gain, much like the gods tried to do. So this is kind of the, the background premise of setting up the whole whole story right it's so generic (laughs) that it was funny it okay so the premise for the story was was generic enough that this game ended up being character driven because Mm -hmm. the premise was so broad like it was like it was like it gave enough space to play around with all of the individual characters but at the same time, I still feel like for this time period when this came out, like this premise was like, oh my whoa, gosh. well, okay. So one of the things that this one did that a lot of, uh, I want, I would, I believe a lot of the Final Fantasies hadn't done up to this point is they actually did something similar to a creation myth. Mm-hmm. Um, cause yeah. most of the Final Fantasies just dealt with maybe like a thousand year conflict or something like that. But this one, like, no, this is literally the creation of the world. And it's really weird. Well, I don't know if it was creation of the world, just because of the fact that like or the they didn't... creation of, of of a race on the world, like yeah. But I mean, well, the, re- the reason why I say that, okay, um, is that it gave a really good playground to this big cast of characters because you're there's a lot of things that people don't yeah, know. There's no real there's no real history. It didn't really feel like. I mean, I guess in three there was the a war of the magi or something like that. Yeah, but... I guess there was a there was a lot of history in three. Um, it was basically like the world started in darkness and then there was light and then yeah but that's like that that's been that was pretty much recycled um i feel yeah. like that was like the the typical final fantasy creation myth is yeah. that there was darkness there's light the balance mm-hmm. there's the warriors of light there's the warriors of darkness right 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 you know, that kind of thing but um in this case it was like no here's our here's little gods but then yeah. i feel like well there's that, no like history there's no there's no actual history of the four at all, and I don't really remember. Right, I don't remember any history of the five really. Five, um, it was more Probably or less more that, so, but that a universe existed and that there's multiple, uh, like, realities. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that wasn't necessarily how it was all created. This mm. one, like I said, this this really like leaned hard into that, and it I think, laid the stage for sure. Yeah, and well, I mean, considering that, 
Um, again, we are we're definitely spoiling things, considering that half the game takes place in a one world map, and then mm. the other half of the game takes place in another world map. That is the consequences of the actions in the first half of the game. Like they like having that creation myth and showing the amount of power that these beings had over this world, and then giving those powers to a character who had only the intention of destruction. Like it was. Uh, it's. I felt like it was such a bold move in storytelling because it actually, right. instead of just saying we could do this and we could make the heroes be save the day, or we could just say screw it. These n- technically nobody would have been this strong enough to to handle the situation. And now let's let's uh, let's delve into the future and say how would they deal with things or how would how would this uh, supposedly elite cast of characters with all this resolve deal with having lost everything like because that's kind of what the second half of the game is all about dude it's so beautiful dude does that mean the russo brothers played final fantasy 6 that's a possibility um, and i feel like the developers played uh, a link to the past uh, uh who knows did you play a link to the past no oh well there's like the regular world and then you can go over to the dark world and oh no no i know yeah. about that but yeah and, and the thing well the thing about this and the thing about that is that it's like you can transpose, you can go back and forth. This one, mm-hmm. it was the consequences are permanent. yeah, yeah, permanent, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a that's something that hadn't really been done. And well, I know it's something that hadn't been done in a Final Fantasy yet. Um, and that they kind of just like you know what? I need you guys to recognize that not only was this guy crazy, but this guy also li- harnessed the powers of people that could just destroy everything, mm-hmm. and he did. And then, like, the way townspeople talk about him as if he's a god, the way that, uh, like, some of the other characters talk about him as, like, there's no way we can beat him. And then, like, like all the, um, what do you call it? All, like, the like the sadness and inadequacy that all the characters feel. Like, it, it's, like, really, really good to build up the characters in, in that way. Mm-hmm. And then also to give them, like, a new reason by finding each other again. Um, I don't remember how big time skip was. It was like, it was, it was like a year. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, that oh no, man, the stakes the stakes were legit in that game, and I think yeah. it was because they uh, with that backstory they had established that the world can exist or not, like, and that there are actual powers that already exist that can be harnessed that can cause this level of destruction, and that and. Then instead of just going, well, we beat the bad guy before they get the powers, they're like, hmm, I wonder what would happen if the bad guy did get the powers. And of course, again, like, yeah, you think about some of the like, the tropes that go into a bad guy getting all the power, destroying things, but not finishing off the main party for some reason. Um, and in this case... Well, they escaped. Like right. But in, but in this case, you had a reason why he couldn't or he didn't defeat them. And it wasn't not necessarily... Well, you remember why. I mean, we talked about it in another podcast. Right. He was just sitting around being chafed. He, being chafed. Yeah. Wow. Because <laughs> um, he's sitting on his laurels. Yes, yes, yes. I know. <laughs> um, but he, I, we like, said it before. He literally says, "Well, I knew you guys would come back. I've been waiting around for you." Yeah. It's and fun the, to me. And the in the fact that he, well, that was another thing. He destroyed the world, but he didn't completely destroy it because he he needs something to he, rule. Yeah, over. he needs his playground. And then. And like the cast of characters survived because he literally was like, 
I would like to play with these guys. Well, again. then he randomly used his little laser beam on the world. Yeah. He was like, I'm bored today. The, uh, what is it? The Kefka's like light of judgment or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, again, the story, the story was really, uh, the world building was really good because it definitely gave a place where it made sense that certain characters would make certain decisions. And it also made sense that the world would be modified in the way that it was. Right. One of the things I loved too, and I talked about this before, I really loved uh, all the subtle subtle story elements, where they they kind of let you fill in the the pieces if you're paying attention. Just like I was talking about, you know, I I, I told you about um, Edgar and the and the coin and everything, and mm-hmm. then there's the the realm in shadow, which I mean I don't know if you even know about that aspect of it. Or oh, you because, just guess. because realm likes the that are actually. Um, what do you call it? It was able to play with the dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is there more to that? Yeah, story? there's more to it. But they never, they never, they never tell you. You just have to kind of put the pieces together and then like just kind of you guess. You know, you use your imagination, and they they kind of give you all the puzzle pieces, but they don't put it all together for you. Oh, that realm somehow resembles somebody that he once knew or whatever. Or... I mean, if you play it again, I don't want to spoil it. So I'm not going to. <laughs> I've already lost Shadow. Well, so they've essentially they essentially allude to the fact that Shadow is um, Realm's father, and be- and you know how her mom died and everything. Okay. And they make it seem like uh, Shadow like wasn't strong enough to save their mother, and so that's why he kind of he vanished, and now he's like this really strong warrior and everything, and. Oh, okay. I mean, that's cool too. Yeah. But like I said, it's it's subtle and you can miss and it. It's alluded to. It's alluded to. Yeah. Yeah. Um and oh we talked about this too. You know, I really like how the like everybody has their own place. And and I know you said like Realm and Shrago mm-hmm. don't, but uh but they didn't they were accepted. They were accepted in the story. I, I didn't, I didn't think they were jarring or anything like that. Like they just felt like another piece of the story. Right. But you're right. They they probably could have cut their their part because I mean realistically, Shadow is an optional character as well, and you could have cut him out and you could have cut out, uh, Realm and Strago Strago. Right. And the story probably wouldn't have changed very much. But then you wouldn't have had like those little tendrils for shadow mm-hmm. and then shadow's connection to like just helping. But then always like his, like his weird thing when you're on the floating continent and he's like, I don't deserve to be here or whatever. Like you can tell he's conflicted about mm-hmm. just the things that he does. Cause he just does it for money or he does it for, I don't know, supposedly to help who needs help or whatever. And there's like that weird, like, backstory thread that you're just well kind of yeah like... they i mean they don't even say why he took off realistically yeah. um they just they pretty much just allude to the fact that he is her father but like i don't know i'd have to i have to dive deeper into it i really don't remember enough that, that was like that was the biggest part i remembered is that like i was like 100 percent sure like he is her father right although why can't he use magic hmm. why can't shadow use magic yeah, maybe he took off because he's like, I don't belong here. I'm inadequate as a parent because 
everybody else who used magic in that game. Maybe. Uh, there's a lot of tragedy in this story. Um, yes. Even not just... There's an opera to sing about it. <laughs> there is. Um, but a lot of their... A lot of the characters' uh, backstories is, is typically really tragic. Yeah, they made sure to like really lean into that. Like this story is a story that's so steeped in loss and and like coping with loss and like miscommunication and not even. Excuse me. It's like the story kind of like <laughs> it's almost like the world was established. Nobody talks about their problems <laughs> until they need to. And they just make jokes about it, and they leap at the screen at you. And yeah. and Or they constantly wag their finger at you or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of And they say something heroic, and then all of a sudden the spotlight goes on them, and it zooms in on them, and... Oh, gosh. You learn some new battle mechanic. Right. Um, <laughs> they... Yeah, well, I mean, that kind of really only happened first half of the game. I know. Because after that, then they then they were like, it's not how they handled the tutorial aspect. Yeah. yeah, they they like leaned heavy into everything else once the once the game. Got I can't going. see them doing like a 3D remake of this game. I can, and it'll be great. Okay, you need to have more confidence. Sir. Do I want a 3D remake? Yes, you do. Okay, you're probably right. I would love it. The thing is, do you want a 3D remake on the like? On the level of seven, or do you want it on the level of four? I want it on the level of seventeen. <laughs> Bravely default, which I sent. I guess is it's four. It's four. Yeah, yeah it's four. I would like a little bit better than that, though. Nah, I don't think it would need it. That's the thing. I think obviously maybe upres the textures and stuff like that because yeah, I wish I could think of a good like comparison game. It, I, the thing is, I would think it would need to stay with that that kind of, uh, what do you call it, uh, that scale in mm-hmm. terms of like kind of kind of chibi characters. Yeah, but I in, agree with that. In this case, it would be closer to something like, like Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so something slightly realistic, slightly chibi, because you kind of because the story is lighthearted at points, mm-hmm. and a lot of in some of those things, it I would say it'd be closer to something like a. Like a, um, I mean, honestly, like nine probably like a one. So they have that weird, <sighs> that weird thing where they're trying to be anime, but at the same time, you know, it's serious. So they give their, their, their character models, uh, the ability to emote a little bit better, and I think that's what they would end up having to do for, for six because there's so many scenes in that game where they. Well, have I mean, to... that one wasn't 3D, really. Hmm? Like character. Models weren't 3D. I mean, there were sprites for the main characters, and then the world was 3D and for Xenogears. I said Xenosaga, though. And yeah, so Xenosaga, do you remember how, like, they kind of, mm-hmm. they had this weird chibi aspect yeah, to yeah, them, yeah, but yeah. they were very, but the the eyes were made big, I think, so they could emote properly. Oh, yeah. And then um, certain characters were not actually given those kinds of eyes, and those characters were actually, it's because Maybe it's of... Maybe Dragon Quest. Huh? Maybe just Dragon Quest, then. Like the newer Dragon Quest. So like the anime style type thing? Yeah. Well, it's not really... It's kind of anime. Well, actually, it's totally The thing totally is, I can't, I can't see that game being... I can't see 6 being anything more than like a mobile type game. Or mm-hmm. so a I smaller scale. I think Switch would be yeah. perfect. I can see it being like a Switch type game, but still oh, paired I, down wanted to like 3DS uh, type of... Um, type of... Uh, not mechanic. What do you call well, it? Well, everyone wanted... What's that new... What's that... 
uh, Square Enix game for the Switch. Uh, Octopath Traveler? Yeah. I mean, tons of people were like, wow, that would be perfect for a Final Fantasy VI remake. Um, okay, so I partially agree, but I also think that if you were to remake Six, <laughs> keeping it... I partially agree, I partially disagree. Right. Well, which means, because I partially agree, obviously the other part would be disagreeing. Or maybe it could possibly be neutral. Anyways, um, if yeah, you're going to remake say something... That's a fancy way of saying neutral. Yeah. Very much so. Um, I feel like if you're going to remake a game, you don't just you don't throw Sheen on the old one. That's a remaster, and that's yeah. what Octopath Traveler's uh, graphical fidelity or whatever is definitely more of like a Sheen on an a, an eight bit or yeah. a Sheen on a two D game. So if they were to remake mm. the game, they would end up it would have to be three D models, not two D sprites with with uh, particle effects. Did you? Oh, I'll talk about this later. Well, let's, let's let's take a quick break. Unless you want to talk more about the story. Do you have any more aspects of the story you want to talk about? Not really. I mean, no. Okay, we'll take a break then. Und we're back. And we're German now. You know, they have like Spanglish, but it would be like German. Germlish. Germlish. <laughs> uh, so I was kind of talking about that. We're talking about the 3D, uh, um, like a remaster or whatever. Uh, but they actually, so when they were starting development on Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. um, well, actually, this is when they were trying to decide if they were going to make the next Final Fantasy game for uh, Nintendo 64. Oh, or yeah, PlayStation. They, you talking about the demos for Final Fantasy? VI? Yeah, there's a Final Fantasy VI. Uh, it was called the Interactive CG Game Demo, mm-hmm. and oh, I don't, they had Terra, Locke, yeah. and I think, and Edgar, I think. But there was like I those was, weird. I think chibi it was models. Shadow. Yeah, and they use these. Yeah, they use these chibi models, and they kind of look like a little bit like um, Super Mario. Yeah, or like they kind of look like the original. Like they would be the original like uh, me characters that you create on the Wii. Oh, it was Celeste. Okay, but yeah, so they had like the big heads and mm-hmm. like the and the and the very round bodies. Um, yeah, which it's funny because you think about that, and then you go to Final Fantasy VII, and they have the big heads and they had just rectangular bodies, and I think it was just to cut down on the polygon count. Yeah, and they were like actually like kind of smooth looking characters. Right. Well, it was a tech demo. It wasn't necessarily yeah, like true. gameplay or anything like that. So I think that was one of the. Um, they they they've foregone. They had already foregone. Like we don't need, like to make this realistic. We just need to make this like a as a way to show off what we can do. Right. But whether we can do it consistently and whether we can do it like, uh, like to a point where people could play it, we don't know yet. Because the 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 sixty four one of the things that it touted was that that flash memory or whatever in the mm. cartridges. Right. So like technically like accessing stages and like loading things into memory was a lot quicker. Mm. They could they could do a lot with that. The only problem is that there wasn't much in the in storage yeah. capacity. And there wasn't yeah. mo- well technically there wasn't really much in graphical fidelity either. Like the 64 had potential to put out some good graphics, but if we're being completely honest, it was only good graphics for the time and like mm. it couldn't do much like crazy advanced stuff. It was just like Oh shoot, we can do 3D, but yeah, make sure all the developers have figured out ways to work with pictures and work with like 
there was a lot of tricks to develop for the for the 64 and that, like well one of the things big things is it was you really can't weird because of things because of textures or because yeah. of space it was weird though because like in some ways i felt like the n64 games looked better than the ps playstation but it always felt like all the playstation games were kind of had a cartoonish feel like even yeah but playstation even games goldeneye kind of felt like even though it had real looking characters, mm-hmm. it still kind of looked kind of cartoony in a way. Right. Because well, if you think about it, when you look at like the way that Goldeneye um, is made, it kind of feels like you're just playing like a like a three D remaster of like a Doom game. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think about it, more than likely what ended up happening is they figured out a way to to uh, to render things like that. Mm-hmm in 3d and then they had to minimalize on something else and that usually ended up being character models so then that's where you get like the kind of cartoony aspect of it but i think what happened with playstation is because they had so much capacity to bring more things with that 700 megabytes on the disc um <laughs> they like, isn't that well, crazy right um they were able to bring in like, like some enhanced soundtracks but they were also yeah. able to do that thing where you could load a lot more well the the console itself just had a ton of memory so you just a ton of memory at the time do you do you love the fact that like so if you found a 700 megabyte flash drive like isn't it funny that you kind of look at it and be like do i really need this and you just throw it away <laughs> yeah or you first, sorry first you clear it off and you throw it away um because you just don't never know what you got on those old drives. <laughs> um, I just throw them away. I'm not really concerned. Oh, I I found like old products that I worked on. on oh, really? Some of the old drives, yeah. yeah. But like, I clear them off if I'm going to throw them away because I feel like intellectual property and whatnot. I want to make sure that none of my stuff gets out. To well, as IT individuals, we should probably recommend that you erase this stuff. Or you for like, security purposes. or you literally destroy the drive. Yep. Oh um, yeah, and and stop making your password your birthday. Or stop making your password password. Or one two three four five. Yes. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. It's crazy. So now we're people IT still use it. That's yeah. cool too. <laughs> um, it's a, it's. I'm sorry, it just popped in my head. It's still crazy to me how many people have like the most in or non secure password. And all, well, these, all these insecure, they have problems yeah. <laughs> when looking in the mirror and stuff. Well, I'm like, all these people are like doing all this um, identity theft, mm-hmm. like billion dollar industry, and they're like, this is so easy. Are, are you serious? Like, people should know about this stuff. Their password is one two three four five. I will take your money now. Thank you. Please and thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway, so other did you knows? Um, so some of the characters had dedicated relics. Mm-hmm. For yes. instance, um, oh crap! Locke. Uh, Locke had the thief bracers and the brigands glove, mm-hmm. and the thief bracer makes it so that it, you're t- you're twice as likely to steal. But the brigands glove makes it so that you changes steel to mug. And where do you find that? Because I need that <laughs> because I steal with him every turn. And I'm like, sure. when I'm doing remember. when I'm running the game on auto, I always have him just stealing, stealing. It's, and it's I wish he would do damage. Yeah. Oh, actually, when you get him back, maybe he gets that. Maybe I really don't remember. I'm, but I'm actually uh, gonna look up a, a walkthrough for but, the rest of this game because I don't want to miss any more stuff. But Mug actually like it makes it so that the steal ability you actually steal and you attack at the same time. Right, and that's what I would prefer him to do. Yes, because remember when we talk about the economy of turns, 
I hate stealing because it wastes a turn when I could be doing damage. Yeah. But at the same time, if you steal, you could possibly get like really, really good armor or a really, really good weapon. So it's it's sometimes worth it. So. Or you could just get like Phoenix Downs or yeah, potions or something. That's true. So uh, Shadow has his own dedicated relic. And what is that? It's called the Memento Ring. And what does that do? But you know who else can you also equip this dedicated relic? The realm? Mm-hmm. Of course you can. And so it prevents uh, zombie, petrify, and death. Okay. I think I might actually have the momentum ring. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, which is just another subtle hint in the game. Uh, Setzer has uh, the coin toss. And yeah. the coin toss turns slots into coin toss. Which... Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. I don't know. It's gill toss, but anyways. Oh, <laughs> gill toss. Well, it was coin toss back in because I don't think it was gill back in the Final Fantasy three days. It's probably I, like gold or something. I feel like you're just so old that you just have all these things that you're like. Back in my day. <laughs> we well, this is the original. I, I know. Anyway, you're um, that person as well. That's always talking about the quote unquote original version. Well, I like how. Well, I mean, I felt like Setzer, like without the coin or without the coin toss relic, uh, like the slots just seem so. It's yeah. It's too much of a mini game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really like it. Battle. But coin toss made them useful. Right. Well, it's funny because when I was working on my game, um, which why well, I won't say the name of this time. Um, oh, Destiny and Fate. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I was gonna say it anyways. Uh. So when I was working on that, there was a plugin that I had found that would actually give you the ability to do something like Sabin's abilities where you, where you have like, but except this time, instead of actually just like inputting a random thing and then seeing if an ability popped up, this time there would be a sequence of things that would pop up and you'd have a timer for how quick you can enter them in. And one of the things... Kind of like Oren's Limit Break? Yes. Um, in a in a one a Final Fantasy X. Um but we'll get there when we get there. Um, but one of the things that the plugin developer had said, oh no, one of the things that one of the prominent people in the RPG Maker community had said, and he's one of the people that's like, let's plays for all these, you know, indie games or whatever made with the engine. He was like, one of the things you never want to do is make your default ability, like your attack, have that like stipulation yeah. to it because then it makes the game like you, Slow. when you put, yeah, exactly. Um, and I thought that's kind of how I felt with, uh, his limit break or not limit break with his uh, with his special Slots. ability. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of because it always you're like going through a battle, everything's happening turn after turn after turn, and then then you have then you here comes this guy where he's <laughs> constantly like you you have to hold like, up guys, hold up, let me pull this let lever. Me, yeah, let me pull this lever real quick and see if I can get a a, a good pull. And you just seven, like seven. yeah, and I you like that's something. And when did you ever get work. it too? Hmm? It was always annoying. It's like you get the random one, and you get seven, seven, and, and you're like, oh, never mind. He does thirty four damage when everyone else is doing like two hundred. Yeah. Well, funny thing is, like they really leaned into his whole gambler aspect of the character because they actually gave him. There's a weapon that you can get later on it's called dice, and yeah. depending on how they roll, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they do a little bit of damage or mm -hmm. a crazy amount of damage. Which I forgot about that. Which is nice. I mean, for some aspect of it but it's kind of like one of those eh, do i want random damage with the possibility of getting like really really good damage or do i want like standardized good damage like i bought the weapon tried it a couple times realized it sucked then i got his other <laughs> weapon that was like had the chance to cause instant death 
found right. out that the dungeon that I ended up going into, everybody's immune to instant death and they just come back to life. And so then I ended up just going like pretty much all the status effects things were just stupid. Oh, the tomb? Yeah. Yeah. And so then I just end up using the regular version of those darts. And he does good enough damage in Okay, this is all meta stuff for me. Like I'm I'm that person that's always like, Okay, so I gotta maximize my DPS per turn per character, so this person needs to have this equipped. I come on. I I well the thing is <laughs> I design so video game mechanics. Like as a hobby, yeah, I, of yeah, course yeah. I'm meta gaming everything. I mean, yeah. One of these days, I think I might, I might end up doing a podcast without you, um, just kind of just talking talk about game mechanics. I, Fine, I'll do one without you talking about game design or not game. Design, no, but. no, Monster Hunter, um, uh, and how how meta that game can get. And I think, or I might just do one on meta gaming in general because there's. I feel like there's like a community of people like myself who play a game and then they go, how can I break this? And not necessarily breaking oh, it in yeah. a bad way, but breaking the min-maxers, whether it be in Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons or Pokemon. It's the person who goes, there's a system Wait, in they're here They're called for mad maxers? Min-maxers. Uh. So they're, they're minimizing their weaknesses and they're maximizing their strengths. I, just, I was just thinking of Stranger Things and I was like, oh, well, maybe it wasn't a coincidence they named them her max okay um good to know but yeah so i I definitely think there's like a specific like community dedicated to those things especially for games that allow you to do so um and six i think is not you know is no stranger to that it definitely makes it to where if you want a character to be a certain way you may only teach them the bare minimum magic but then make them extremely potent magic users mm-hmm. by making them have a certain Esper equipped and only level with that Esper equipped, that kind of thing. Or you could be that person that watches your XP gauge and go, okay, so they're about to level, better switch to the other things. So <laughs> I still think it was minimal. Anyway. It is minimal, but that's what a min-maxer does. They make sure that everything is at its maximum it's potential. Optimal. Yeah. And I'm, I'm one of those people. So, Yamaro... The, I, how do you the, use the name? Yeti? I don't know how to say his name. I never even used him anyway. Uh, but he had the Berserker Ring uh, and the Blizzard Orb and the Bone Wrist and the three relics. Was yeah, there two relic slots. What? Yeah, it's true. Uh, so the first one allows Umaro to throw allies at opponents for increased damage. I, I want this character now. <laughs> I can't remember if uh, I think it might damage both of them. Uh, like legitimately chucks a, a party member. Uh, so all the the allies that are freed, they're actually uh, they're freed from uh, status conditions. When he throws like it, like confused and sleep, yeah. Okay. And the <laughs> and the blizzard orb uh, lets him use uh, a snowstorm, which is basically an all blizzard attack. And the bone wrist uh, allows him the multi uh, multi enemy. Oh no, that's sorry, that's just. The ice attack. I'm reading. I'm reading from this thing, uh, but the bone wrist just ups his stats. So you're just okay. like, neat. Thanks. One of the things that also modifies everybody's ability is the dragoon boots, which I thought were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like you could actually make a party of people with dragoon boots and just like have them constantly jumping out of screen. I think a like a really potent combination is dragoon boots and the dragon the, horn. Huh? The dragon horn. I don't know what the dragon horn is. Uh, so the dragon horn, if you equip the dragon boots, dragoon boots with the dragon horn, uh, it allows you to, like, you'll jump, and then you'll jump off of them, and you'll hit them two to four times. 
Holy crap. Yeah. Well, then, shoot, I wish you could equip three things because then you can have the Hermes sandals as well and just have, <laughs> like, constantly just having people just boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. Um, I, I actually had that on my list. Um, so, Mog can equip the Molulu's charm, which actually eliminates random encounters. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess only Mog can do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, Realm also has... <laughs> this is so weird. There, one of them is the fake mustache. Which changes the sketch to control. Oh yeah, yeah. Apparently that's really good um, for certain types of uh, certain dungeons because you can turn their abilities against the rest of the party. Yeah, and they're you for some reason like doing so allows you to find or like exploit their weakness because they have an ability that somehow exploits their weakness. Well, also if you use it with Strago, then you can have yeah, you can force them to do certain abilities. Yeah, on so you, you can so learn you can it. Learn it. Yeah. yeah. Just like manipulation material in Final Fantasy VII, because you use that to manipulate somebody to use an ability on the person with enemy skill equipped. Hmm. Um, let's see. So you have the uh, Genji or Genji glove, right? Yep. I I was talking about that earlier. So the Genji glove allows you to equip a weapon in both hands. Mm-hmm. Do you have the offering? No. So the offering allows you to attack four times with a weapon. Oh. So if you equip the Kenji glove and the offering together. You're attacking eight times. Yeah, you attack eight times. Okay. Well, I again, I maybe I will play this game over again. Jeez. Well, you can still get it. Oh. I don't remember where you get it, but okay. Uh, I think you get it in Figaro Castle or something. Somewhere. Well, I am out of there already. I can't wait to find out if that's true. Like that's actually where you get it, because that would make my my memory from my childhood incredible. But then, like my actual memory now, terrible. Is there is there any more um, unique uh, relics for? Um, these no, nothing. Well, I mean, there's a mental ring, but uh, um, like Kara G- doesn't get her own unique one. Nope. Just those. Celis doesn't get her own unique one. Nope. Gogo doesn't get his own unique one. Nope. Gao doesn't get his own unique one. <laughs> Let me look. Nope. Cayenne pepper. Okay, we're his done. Own unique one? Uh, did you, have you ever uh, cast vanish on an enemy? Vanish? Vanish? No. What does it do? Have you? Ever, it makes them disappear. It's it's something for your arm party. Makes it so that they can't hit you with physical attacks. Okay. Have you ever cast? But you've never cast it on an enemy. Nope. Well, what you see if you cast it on an enemy and then you cast X Zone or Doom on them, mm-hmm. they instantly die. You can actually use this on most anybody. Anybody you can cast Vanish on. Like you can cast Doom on them. Yeah, right. main bosses and all that. I can't remember if you can do it on the very end boss, but... Huh. Seems like an exploit. That's what? Like oh, an exploit? exploit? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not much of a fan of those. So... I but then again, I kind of like chaining... Mechanics. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. That's actually pretty cool. Um, well, because okay, sometimes there's like things that just completely break the game, and you're like, oh, they didn't think about this when they were balancing. But then at the same time, yeah, it kind of breaks the game a little bit. Yeah, but at the same time, like you think about it, like yeah, they just kind of they left. It's almost like uh, there's certain games where they'll have a mechanic that does make maybe a percentage damage to this, but then they have a specific ability that does a percentage more damage to something that like. I don't know, somebody that weighs more than you or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's like maybe another mechanic that uh, does, I don't know, something uh, or does exponentially more damage if 
if the person has more HP than you. And so then you combine some artifacts together, like, or like, you know, it, make an equipment build that has those things, use the ability that does more damage to a person with less HP than you or more HP than you. See, I like that because it's like a discovering thing, but this kind of seems like a cheat. But it also seems like discovery. Who would know that casting Vanish, like which technically benefits the other person, and well, then also see, using, but that's also the same thing as like using zombie and then casting cure on somebody. The whole the whole reason that ET was a was a failure for Atari is the same reason that every kid that ever played Final Fantasy VI knew about Vanish plus Doom exploits. No, I mean like it's crazy how like the stuff got around without like the internet. Right. Because we were like, oh, did you play Final Fantasy VI? Yeah, dude. Oh, did you hear about that thing you can do with the, the Vanish plus the X-Zone and the Doom thing? What? That's crazy. Is that how kids talked back in your, your, your youth? That's how I talked. I know. And I was the only one that talked like that. You still talk like that. <laughs> That's <laughs> probably true, actually. It is true. It, yeah, there's not, no probably about it. I wish I really wish I remember. Uh, so I was reading about this, and apparently the director, and I guess that's Katase, Katase, um, he was actually a movie screenwriter and wanted to be a director, and, or a movie director, and uh, I guess that's why the game was so much more cinematic than the other ones, like how they handled camera angles and, you know, because you actually have the camera, you know, like. Yeah, it was moving. Like yeah, there's a yeah. lot of panning. Mm, panning. That's the word. Ugh, I don't know why I can think of panning. Because you're not a director. That's true, but I know the word panning. So, uh, so what's Locke's last name? I don't know. Lockhart. <laughs> no, it's Locke Cole. Uh, what's why do you always ask me these last names? I don't never. I'm not gonna know. I. <laughs> I well, I'm, cu- I'm curious. Last name is Figaro. Oh, good job. What's Sabins? Oh, really? That's actually his last name. Yeah, I literally was like, "Oh, what kingdom is he kingdom?" Yeah, oh, you got name. it. You got it. What's Sevens? It obviously has to be Figaro. <laughs> What's their middle names? They don't have them. They do. Edgar Ronnie and Edgar Rene. And I don't know if these are in the game or if these are like in the game book or something. Yeah, I don't like those kinds of trivia. Let's see. Uh, one. I'm trying to see if any of them you might know. Oh, Shadow Ninja. Oh, Tara. Tara has a last name. Um. Nigma, I think it's like Rimford or something like that, or maybe she doesn't. I don't really know. It doesn't really matter. We'll skip this one, except for Strago, Strago Magus. Sure, <laughs> lame. <laughs> uh, so this is this is a quote I actually uh, saw when I was looking all this stuff up uh, by Katase, and uh, it says, or he says. It's maybe strange to say this, but I miss the limitations of making games in those days. Uh, Super Nintendo days, obviously. Uh, The cartridge capacity was so much smaller, of course, and therefore the challenges were that much greater. But nowadays, you can do almost anything in a game. It's a paradox, but this can be more creatively limiting than having hard technical limitations to work within. There is a certain freedom to be found in working within strict boundaries, one clearly evident in Final Fantasy VI. Yes. That's why I'm always saying that they should make another, like, Final Fantasy, like... Well, actually, they could do whatever they want. I mean, it w- that wouldn't even matter. The I was saying, like, a they, 2D Final Fantasy game again. But then, but they've technically, like, already tried that, and they've done it several times. Like, with the Bravely Default games, or the Warrior, four Warriors of Light games. 3D. I know. It's a modern... <laughs> know, but it's a I modern know. version of, like, taking, like, technical limitations, maximizing those, and then... 
but doing everything in like a lo-fi manner. Right. Um, and they've done it several times. So I think, I mean, that idea has probably been thrown around quite a few times. To For do Final a, Fantasy? To do a 2D one. I'm pretty sure they've thought many a times about going back and doing something like that. Or like having a team dedicated to putting something like that together. The only problem is whether they'd be able to name it Final Fantasy or whether they'd even like how they would market it and who they would market it to. So that being said, they made two games for mobile called Final Fantasy Dimensions One and Two. Both of those are completely two D games, and, and they've sold like crazy amounts. Probably not, but Dimensions sold relatively good. And I played Dimensions um, on an old Google I, account, so I had to have to buy it again to, in order to play it. I, I have to look but, it up, but I'm pretty sure I read something about um, like their forecasting and uh, and they attributed so much to mobile profits yeah and those well, are the big ones they've been remaking or they've been not remaking they've been like porting all of their games okay, to fair. mobile as well yeah so a lot of people are like i would love to play final fantasy 7 on my phone yeah but currently the only way to do it is to use an emulator and then you know bring over isos to my to my phone and play it that way but it works it's fine the thing is square probably was like i mean that's cool and everything but here's final fantasy 7 for reals and look, we have cloud saves. See what I did there? Cloud <laughs> saves. Um, which, I mean, I feel like they missed out on a big opportunity if they didn't put like a little sprite of cloud with the saves. Anyways, um, that being said, uh, Dimensions was pretty good. Um, I didn't play Dimensions 2. Apparently, they switched it up a lot, um, like how they did the animations. Because Dimensions 1 was like a an homage to like Final Fantasy V. In terms of how they did all the the sprites and the class switching systems and whatnot, it was pretty good. Um, I remember just like grinding out levels just because I wanted to maximize classes and everything. And they did like this chapter based story thing was pretty cool. Um, and then of course, uh, we were talking about mobile games. They have done two D mobile games like Final Fantasy Brave Exvius, um, Final Fantasy Record Keeper, which pays uh, Exvius is a brand new story. But pays homage to old stories, and of course, you can like recruit characters from other yeah. games and stuff. And Record Keeper is like this weird thing where it's literally like a like a library of all of the things Final Fantasy, and it is just it's that so is just weird. like a love letter to all Final Fantasy mm -hmm. things. Um, and so, like, you can pretty much recruit every Final Fantasy character you've ever been able to play in a game, and they all have like uh, modified mechanics that are reminiscent of their of their original games and. Uh, but with like you know slight modifications for the mobile platform, um, but yeah, so it's not like they don't they have not experimented with just doing like continuing two D versions of their um, of their characters and then also trying to implement new characters like I said in Brave Exvius. Um But then they have games like again I'm going back to like the lo-fi aspect of things. So like uh, there's uh, the Final Fantasy Dissidia Opera Opera Omnia, oh, yeah, yeah. which is pretty much Dissidia mobile platform game, but not, uh, but they, they made it turn-based this time. Right. Um, and they can, they what include... What a good idea by them, really. Hmm? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's actually a really good game. Um, very grindy as mobile games are wont to be. Um, but that one's pretty good. And then they did this one called Final Fantasy, Mo or Mobius Final Fantasy, which was a, a like a very 3D game. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was made in like the Unreal Engine or something like that, or maybe like the CryEngine or something. Anyways, one of the really high-end um, 3D engines, and they made it for mobile. 
eventually they got to a point where like, hmm, this game does look good on mobile, but we can make it look better on PC. So they actually ported it to Steam, which was pretty funny because um, I did play it on Steam for a second. Um, but it was, uh, the, again, every single one of these platforms, they have so many things to pull from old Final Fantasies that they're just like, you know what? We <laughs> could yeah, do crossovers gosh, for so days. so much stuff, yeah. Yeah. So I, I just want to say I really appreciate your ability to, to just keep on talking while I look stuff up. Oh, that's fine. I could not find the sales, the Final Fantasy Dimensions. But I did find this. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the original concept for Chrono Trigger, the Chrono Trigger sequel, uh, Chrono Break, back in the day, uh, became a basis for Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy Dimensions 2. Yes. Interesting. Um, the re- I mean, yeah. So they did a lot of time travel in Dimensions 2, and they're doing, they did like dimensions and realities in, mm-hmm. in 2. And I think that's kind of how they lent to being... Like they did this weird, um, this thing that they all that everybody always does with mobile games, especially if they're just like paid mobile games, is they, like they put they for some reason they like I want it to be mobile, but I want it to be like a console type game. So we're gonna take <laughs> some of the things out yeah. and put some things in and make it very much this platforms type of like thing. Anyways, I feel like those are um, mobile games in general. We could actually do a whole. Um, a whole podcast on just like it's fine. You can have a guest, mechanics. a guest host for that one. Nah, oh, you should be here for that. So I'll produce boring. it, obviously, but you fall asleep. Nah, I would probably legit fall asleep. That's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> what else uh, do we got? So I just got one more thing. Uh, I, I never even noticed this, but it, uh, so the Everplate Secret of Evermore is that the one, the American one, Secret of Evermore? Well, there's a Japanese and American one. No, no. Oh no, because there's the secret of like a secret of mana games, but then because they're like uh, really fantasy. But this oh, one's... secret of Evermore, yeah, it's not related to secret of mana or anything like that. Right, it's but it's the one title. that's like it has. It's like, like Illusion of Gaia. Yeah, but it has like a. Uh, it's like a a blonde haired, white. Come on, man! Don't don't say stuff and not do research. Jeez. Well, I just um, anyway, so it was one of those games where it seemed like they took the mechanics of an old game and they were like, "Ooh, why don't we put this in a quote unquote modern setting?" But it yeah. seemed, but it was like because it was like a like a down home kid. It kind of reminded me a little bit like a. It is is a little bit like Superman. I didn't remember it being like that. But uh, so anyway, so the it's only the American one, though, right? or it's the one that seems kind of like an American kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. uh, actually, I think. I think actually he's from our world and he goes to that world and I don't know. Uh, so there's a oh, call. Yeah. There's a okay. There's a coliseum in that game and apparently there's a whole bunch of Final Fantasy six characters like in the stands. Mm-hmm. Never knew that. Never yeah. noticed. That's just one of those things where why why not? We got the sprites. Just yeah, do it. <laughs> just throw those in there. Yeah. Have them doing their little cheering things <laughs> where they throw their hands and everything. Oh yeah, the one extra animation they did for those uh, for those sprites back in the yeah. day. <laughs> So uh, that's actually all I have. Sweet. That's all I got. Okay, we're done. I hopefully want to finish it. No, you're done. I do want to finish that game, and I think, like I said, I might do a, a midweek episode on that one. Um, on the ending? Yeah. Spoiler cast. It will definitely be a spoiler cast that you will more than likely not be involved in. I mean... Because I don't care about you, and I have all the audio equipment, so there's that. I mean, the story's really not about... I don't know. You'll play it. You'll see. It's going to be great. So, mm-hmm. what do we got planned for next week? Uh, we're going to do a podcast. 
That's fine. But what is the podcast going to be about? Uh, this feels like the game I play with my kids. A podcast about video games. Anyway, uh, next one is called It Takes a Village. Oh. And what is it going to be about? Find out next week on NVG Podcast. Or we could just give them a little bit of information. Oh, okay. Uh, so basically, it's, it's about Ensemble uh, casts. Ensemble? Ensemble. Ensemble? Ensemble? Ensemble. You know, I really don't know how to say this word. Ensemble? Yeah. There's an O in it? It's just the way the English language works. English language is stupid. Garbage. Just garbage. garbage. <laughs> um, but we speak it. Quite Some, eloquently. Oh, God, I don't. I do. I try to, at least. But sometimes words are hard. That being said... We've all heard us... We've all heard me say horror story, so... Horror? Horror. Horror. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Next week, we're going to talk about these giant casts, which Final Fantasy VI is definitely known for. Yes, giant cast. But there are other games that have even more giant casts, and I would love to talk about those as well, even though I have only played a little bit of one of them. Um, we'll get to that uh, when we get there. Yes. Until next time. Until next time. You were just supposed to say yes again, but okay. Until next time.